Hey there, Dennis Reynolds. This is Ineash. Hey, Ineash. This is Steven. Steven, who's Dennis Reynolds? I know, but some people might not. Well, I mean, I was thinking of names to pick, but I had to pick this one. Because Otherwise, of the implications? Because of the implication. <laughs> okay. What do you mean, what do we need a mattress for? Why in the hell do you think we just spent all that money on a boat? The whole purpose of buying the boat in the first place was to get the ladies nice and tipsy topside so we can take them to a nice, comfortable place below deck and, you know, they can't refuse because of the implication. Oh, uh, okay. You had me go in there for the first part. The second half kind of threw me. Well, dude, dude, think about it. She's out in the middle of nowhere with some dude she barely knows. You know, she looks around her. What does she see? Nothing but open ocean. Ah, there's nowhere for me to run. What am I going to do? Say no? Okay, that, <laughs> that seems really dark. No, no, it's not dark. You're misunderstanding me, bro. Okay? I'm, I'm, I think I am. Yeah, you are. Because if the girl said no, then the answer obviously is no. No. But the thing right. is, is she's not going to say yeah. no. She would never say no because of the implication. Now, you've said that word implication a couple of times. What implication? The implication that things might go wrong for her if she refuses to sleep with me. Now, not that things are going to go wrong for her, but she's thinking that they will. But it sounds like she doesn't want to have Why sex. Why aren't you with understanding? You? This? I don't. She she doesn't know whether she wants to have sex with me. It's that she doesn't. That's know. not the issue. Are she, you going to hurt? Be a, women? I'm not going to hurt oh, these women. Okay. Why would I ever hurt these women? I, don't know. I feel like you're not getting this at all. I'm at not all. getting it. God damn. Well, don't you look at me like that. You certainly wouldn't be in any danger. So they are in danger. No one's in any danger. How can I make that any more clear to you? Okay, it's an implication of danger. You know what? Just drop. It. Let's, let's drop. It. It. You're not going to fire your shit. Let's, let's get out of here. It fit really, really unfortunately well. The The context yes. of it is that Dennis is a psychopath and it's unfortunate that this was so apropos, this, this, this reading. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, I plugged the Forgotten City. What is the Forgotten City? Oh, I did. I knew there was two things. Um, we did like 20 minutes of Patreon-only content where I mentioned that there was no episode last week because the special guest I was going to have on uh, is working night shifts and had an extra shift to pick up and it scheduling just didn't line up. So uh, that will be postponed for a later date. Um, oh, I know who your special guest is then. Yes. Okay. All right. And I forgot to mention the Forgotten City. Okay. So I also mentioned Skyrim in the preamble, which is relevant because there was a very popular mod for it. I think that was finished in 2015 or 17, maybe at the latest called the Forgotten City. Um I think it had 3.7 million downloads. It was fully voice acted, I think original music. And I'm not sure how most mods are made, but usually it's just like, you know, a person or a small group of persons. Mm -hmm. So they spun off and did the game as a proper standalone game. That's not Skyrim. It's built in Unreal Engine instead. And uh, it was on, uh, it's on every platform. And I'd recommend playing it if you like uh, puzzles, time loops, and moral philosophy. I'm fan of all of those things. It was a lot of fun. It's, uh, I can give you spoilers later if you want, or, you know, answer any questions you've got to know if you want to spend money on it. But, um, it was a good time. I had fun at that. It took, yeah. I don't know, a couple days to beat. It wasn't super long, but it was more just like the fun adventure. Excellent. All right. All right. Yeah. And the other thing was, uh, the Peacemaker. We talked about it more in the Patreon only content, but basically it's a great series by James Gunn, who did the Suicide Squad with, uh, the Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad having his own spin off show. John Cena plays a character who loves peace so much he doesn't care how many men, women, and children he has to kill to get it. Exactly. 
I think that like not only is that his like thing that he said, but like it also perfectly summarizes the character. I I love like at the very beginning, I was wondering, you know, I I saw him getting shot at the end of the movie, and then then the tower fell on him, like. I wonder how they're going to address that, that he lived through it. And the first scene of the movie, the doctor is like, wow, you got shot and a tower fell on you and you lived through it. And he's like, yeah, well, what do you know? <laughs> and I was, I was like, great. We're just going to skip right over that because fuck it. It's not important. We're not going to explain it. What's there to explain? Of course he should have died. Yeah. He, he didn't die because he wanted to do a show. Like Exactly. Yeah. Get over it, people. You know, and, and very often dangerous... Uh, hazards aren't that big of a risk to heroes that is true which does tie us into our story here excellent let's jump into that then where we last left off we were on chapter 163 level heads yeah when we last left our heroes june just had a chat with the dungeon master after he went and broke the game getting skin Mm. magic excluded as a result yes he did uh and one of the things that the dungeon master said uh as june is telling the rest of the party is uh he threatened that he was totally serious about killing me which i'm not sure is actually true but i'm never going to deliberately test and i just wanted to say i'm glad that was acknowledged in the text because i feel the exact same way as june here like i'm really not sure that the dungeon master is really serious about killing him i I think I think if, like, June did something to really piss him off, did something stupid, maybe. But otherwise, I kind of feel like he's got the hero in vulnerability, probably, maybe. But I also don't think it's a good idea for June to test it. So that, that was a cool acknowledgement, I thought. Yeah, I think if he pissed the DM off, like, he might just, like, cut his dick off or something, right? Um, or, well, yeah, you never know. Or, like, in a way that can't be healed. But let's be real. If he were to test the, oh, you'll never kill me. Like the, oh yeah, be, that's be, asking to be killed. Yeah, he's like, well, I was, I would, I never would have until you said that. Now I'm going to shoot you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Maximum effort is still required. It sure is. Uh, anyway, so Amaryllis comes back. Remember, she flew off to go test and see what was excluded, and she was very thorough. Checked in three directions, confirmed that it was just skin magic, and mm-hmm. everyone except Val, who's sort of stoked, realizes that this is a gigantic loss for the population of Arab. Um, yes. It's one less way to detect that Val is abnormal so she can go outside more. Yeah, which is cool for her. Yeah. For her and her alone. For everyone yes. else on the planet, it's it's a bummer. Because um, <laughs> they've still got lots of problems and now they have one less way to deal with them. And there's only 20 left, it sounds like. 20? 20, 20, ma- 20 magics. Really? Well, because they said in one of these chapters uh, that this exclusion zone houses about 10% of all the magics that are left in the world. And since it has this both uh, still and vibration magic, oh wow, it's about yeah. twenty magics. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there was um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Something about Val. Oh, and of course the elves got fucked over by this too, right? Um, yes. Which you know probably a good thing. Fuck those fuckers. They seem like kind of jerks, but we've only met the prisoner and Fen, you know, so yeah, maybe half of them are nice. Um, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Honestly, maybe she was just sticking around the shittiest 2% of elves and the rest of them are really great folk. That's true, yeah. Um, all right, so the other, Amaryllis had a really funny joke, which is only funny from somebody who worked at the Future for Humanity Institute. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, there, there was no, there's no precedent for an exclusion killing everything on Arab. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody... I, oh, he says that that was dry humor on her part. I didn't understand that that was a joke at first. I thought it was just like a statement of fact and it had to be pointed out to me by June that she, she had some dry humor here. Did it, did you read it as a joke? Um, it has to be when you go back and look at it because like it's it's obviously true. That's a good point. But like 
it it does strike me as the kind of thing that she didn't say with a smile or like a wink, right? <laughs> I get the I feeling actually, that she, she's pissed and she's kind of just like, yeah, there's no precedent of a killing everybody. Yeah, that's true, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Oh, see, it's all in the delivery. Rock on. Yeah, yeah deliveries. <laughs> yeah, name of the game. I, so Amaryllis is being brought up to speed that, oh yeah, DM swung by and she's like, well, hold on, we got to talk about this. And he's like, we can talk later. I got to go help people. And I... Because, you know, the DM stuff we can talk about whenever, but those people out there dying, those are a right now problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it, it's been a while since I've, I guess, you know, we haven't talked about this in a while, too. So I can't remember what my thoughts were on the story two weeks ago. But, like, the his, his focus on, no, we've got to go help the people when he just had, like, a pr- proof positive reminder that, oh, yeah, this is all the Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I would like to think I'd be that steadfast in my epistemological convictions that people mattered, even though they're simulated. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I I wonder if it would get to me, but it doesn't seem like it's getting to June, at least not yet. So that's good. That is very cool. Yeah. He did high five to him. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have to be like, Oh man, I'm just going to go save these NPCs just because it's the right thing to do or whatever. He was just like, yeah, let's get on this shit. It's time to go. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, they is it is pointed out uh, regarding the exclusion that it's going to be harder to get into a person's soul now since his interface was through the skin magic part, and uh, I I hadn't thought of that one. So it's also kind of a small nerf to soul magic, which probably was needed. Yeah, I I didn't notice that either, or I didn't consider that either. I mean, he's got that thing. Well, I don't know if he's mastered being able to bleed without getting hurt yet, but like as soon as he can do that, he can just you know porcupine needle into somebody to access their soul, mm-hmm. but. Given how few soul mages there are left, um, this isn't as much of a hit to the population. But yeah, it's still a thing. And it's, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. Well, and it's specifically a thing that it impacts him since he is the world's foremost soul mage. And he could easily get into people's souls through their skin. And now it's not quite as easy. That's true. Yeah, At the very least, there's got to be some, you know, porcupining through their skin with blood and that can get people's attention. I would imagine at the very least you'd yell because it seems like it takes him a few seconds of skin to skin contact to do it. Oh yeah. They'd have time to like get away. Well, I guess they could do that if he's touching him too, but it wouldn't be obvious what he's doing until he's in there. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. No longer a stealth thing. Uh, he did, um, go ahead and jack up his soul, not soul, his spirit skills so that he could fix some people, which was nice of him. And he got a bunch of perks, but the one I really wanted to pull out was multi-threading which lets him focus on multiple things at once. And I think that is freaking amazing as a power because it's, I mean, it's like doubling your waking lifespan, right? If you can do basically two things at once all the time. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous. If I could do one thing all the time, (laughs) I'd already be twice as strong as I am now. Right? Um, Yeah. You know, if I could, if I could double down, man, Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it pays dividends too. You know, he's he's able to carry on a conversation with Amaryllis on the down low, while uh, dealing with like listening to the conversation in the next chapter. But he mentions how applicable it is to combat too. You know, ever since smartphones were invented, how often it is that I'm reading something and someone is trying to talk to me at the same time, and I can't do both. But with just pa- this power, I could. I'd never have to look away from my phone again. <laughs> Is it a power or a curse? <laughs> right? I could forget what everyone looks like. Yeah, who, who needs that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So the other one was uh, 
thread priority, and I'm only pulling this out because I'm trying to get a grasp on what spirit magic is. So thread priority, you may designate certain threads as high priority threads, which will be utilized first, taking precedence over competing threads. Rampant threads will automatically be set to low priority. Thread allocation otherwise works as before and is automatic. Um, Oh, well, also, I guess he did like a sacrifice boost to get his spirit all the way up, which what he didn't do, and I'm annoyed that he didn't do, is uh, dump all of his... And he should have done that to uh, soul magic instead. Why is that? Because if soul magic is still at 100, he's got soul scapism to get all the other points he needs. Hmm. I don't think he could take spirit magic from anyone else, though, because no one else in the world has that skill. But isn't it just points? No, uh, soul scapism was if someone has that skill, you can take the points of them in that skill and put them into your skill. But can't he it, freely reassign points with uh, soul magic? I don't think so. I'll have to go back and look. I thought that like he could take, you know, say, whatever, some some archer, get his archery way up. And now, great, my archery is at 70. Now my archery is at zero and I've got 70 points to reallocate. Um, oh, I mean, I guess he could sacrifice the skill, the points that he took, yeah, but every time he does that, it's going to make his archery so much harder to get up again. He should just do it over and over for skin magic, <laughs> right? You know, that's not wrong. <laughs> it's not like it's going to be useful ever again. Yeah, I wonder, there's, there's still time for him to do that. Um, yeah. He needs to to get his soul magic way up. Oh, but in order to do that, he needs to scape a soul that can do soul magic. Right. Or he could do a sacrifice. Like oh, right. Did, yeah, you no, you, yeah, yeah, we just had that, and I got caught on the other side of the circle. Yeah. Um, okay. So, anyway. Yeah, you're right. It, it is abusable with very little downside if he used it for skin magic. That said, they did just get something excluded. So, <laughs> I feel like if you were to put all the skills at 100 using another exploit, like, within a business day of, mm-hmm. you know, getting the last thing excluded, the DM probably might might take it hard on him <laughs> the dm's like really dude uh, we just had this talk yeah man <laughs> goofing um so uh or, or uh oh yeah so, so spirit it it seems like spirit is just like the cognitive patterns of a person to the best i can discern am i am i on the right track as far as you can tell that seems like what a large part of it is yeah what you're processing at the moment how your how your brain is handling information flow that kind of thing what you're focusing on yeah yeah i I think that is that is close to what you're saying i yeah i guess i'm just trying to think of like the things that aren't in the soul the soul has you know memories the things i care about my body Mm -hmm. um if i ran into somebody who had all of those things i'd think i ran into a copy of myself right well maybe the spirit like determines how the memories interface with the emotions which interfaces with your actions and and those loop back into memories again like maybe you need the spirit to to make it all jive and run together i think that's it yeah because i mean if if we started off two other you know started off another steven with the same memories uh value hierarchy and meat suit but they had the the thought patterns even though they had the memories of me they had the thought patterns of somebody else they'd quickly become a different person yeah yeah okay so that makes sense all right last thing i gotta pull out here was uh, uh another perk that he gets from his uh soul or his spirit magic jumping which is uh when doing accounting you can hold any number of numbers in your head simultaneously though you are still limited as usual for purposes of calculation 
and accounting is calculate uh, ca- uh, capitalized. Yes, which so is a, an actual skill. Yeah, it's pretty damn interesting. So I don't know if you brainstormed at all about what like the possible perks of accounting could be, or you know what the level one hundred perk could be, or how you could get excluded for accounting too good. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have any ideas. I, I I don't have too many ideas, but the one that I thought would be hilarious is if the one hundred level skill was basically the same thing that uh, Rick did in Rick and Morty when he set the value of the currency from one of itself to zero of itself. <laughs> That honestly sounds perfect. Like, <laughs> right. like account. Like, I could see the level hundred counting perk being something like you can adjust the value of things in some vaguely enough worded way, where you're like, "Great, dollars are now worth zero, right? <laughs> One dollar is now worth zero dollars." I could see that. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Well done. All right. I'm, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I mean, on, I, on the plus side, I didn't have to come up with that by myself. All I had to do was remember a funny show I watched. Well, I saw the same show. It didn't occur to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that they're talking about politics early in this chapter, where uh, Amaryllis points out that they are a independent nation, independent republic, who is walking into a nation that's part of the empire, and uh, it's about to be declared an exclusion zone, and they don't have any approval from anyone in any way that matters for anything that they did here. Uh and it looks kind of bad like they could have they could be accused of maybe orchestrating a coup or something uh and june replies i'm pretty sure we're heroes in all this and i mean i agree because we've just read the last few chapters we know that they are i just i kind of think it's a sign of how jaded i've become in my in my elderly years (laughs) and i immediately sided with amaryllis on this because in the past like just saying that kind of thing would have kind of outraged me and i'd be on june's side being like oh, fuck you man we saved we literally saved the world thousands of people rescued the city and this should be incentivized it should not be you know disincentivized by immediately having those people thrown in some kind of political prison and and now i was just like oh yeah yeah that sounds like politics they're fucked <laughs> and, and i guess politics can just grind you down when you pay enough attention to it over time i i suppose i uh luckily my my attitude of politics in the in games and this book and basically in real life is the same as Raymer's, you know, like, all right, yeah, politics, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, on the one hand, I should care because, you know, if the if the government shows up after I kill a kaiju, are they I, I should be able I should have the savvy to know, are they going to arrest me or give me a medal? Um, yeah. <laughs> but he, he says, like, I like to think it'd be at least a bit of a shield, not a big one, but in the court of public opinion, which seems like it would have some impact on what the politicians are willing to spend in terms of political capital. Yeah. And she, and it says, Amaryllis looked, looked me over. You put all those points into men. He says, yeah, I don't even think that was particularly social worthy observation. If that's what you're thinking. And frankly, the, you like quote, we're the ones who killed that giant fucking thing. And the people here appreciate that unquote, doesn't feel like a high social call to me either. Um, Eh, Maybe I'm missing something. Like, when you put it that way, no, but he's specifically thinking about the court of public opinion and how it um, hampers what a politician can do. And uh, he, he even says what they're willing to spend in terms of political capital. So I think that's slightly more sophisticated than just like, hey, we're the heroes here. Yeah, that does sound more Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Okay, well, let's see here. Um, are we already into the next chapter? No, this this talked about in this one, I guess. Yeah, the ruling council is all dead. Um mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. So we get to see the other fallout of that later. 
Um, but I pulled this out because uh, this was part of the um, the plan that Elio helpfully explained had been one of his ideas. And uh, I don't know about you, but keeping Elio around as a self-fucked advisor makes the whole soul-fucking thing feel even more icky. Okay. Like, I feel like it would have been one thing to, you know, to soul-fuck him, get the info he needed, and then uh, win the altercation with Harold, and then turn him back, right? But this whole servant thing is very falliter. Well, um, I guess, like, to me, they, they, I see why you were not as, uh, disturbed as I was when they did that in the last chapter. To me, it kind of feels like, well, you've already done that, so, um, now, why, you've, it's like, you know, oh, I cheated on my diet once, now it doesn't matter, I can just eat anything I want for the rest of the day, when, uh, that's, that's not the case at all. I guess I was catastrophizing. Since you point out they could just get that info and turn him right back. Uh, that I guess that's true. There is that. I had just been thinking, much like they are, that like, well, we did this thing to him already. It is a sin. It is irrevocable. So we might as well get what use we can out of him, especially since there's still this ongoing crisis and he might be able to help us in other ways, such as telling us that the uh, ruling council was killed by us as was part of plan. So it, it hadn't even occurred to me to like just turn him right back. Yeah, I I guess that's what I would have done. You know, it 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 would still have been a violation, but it's like, all right, you're a criminal. We're probably going to kill you anyway because you've done bad enough stuff, but you know, we can we can get this out of you and then let you be yourself when we hang you, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's there's also the problem that they can't let him be himself because then he will have every incentive in the world to say, "Oh, hey, June is running around soul fucking people," and they can't have that. Like they would they would have to kill him in secret if they let him go back to him being himself. I suppose he could wipe his memories of it. I but maybe. That, that also crosses a line kind of a little bit, but yeah, you know, it, I don't know. Um, there was a whole thing with, uh, the, there is the thing where like you just said, they should just soul fuck him. And then like, okay, you're a criminal. Uh, you're being executed now. Um, and this is, this is basically the solution they fall back on at, in the end. But, uh, June points out that not June Emeralds points out that uh, keeping him alive would be really really stupid because he's proof that uh, June is willing to soul fuck anyone when it's convenient and I you know I, I think that's exactly the problem and exactly why I was so against them doing it last chapter because your your principles aren't really your principles if you drop them as soon as they're not convenient <laughs> ain't that the truth I mean <laughs> that's that's what I like so much about uh, you know it. I don't have like a, this is the moral system. You know, like I lean utilitarian, but um, I, it's, I, I guess I bring this up because uh, I liked that a lot when Hermione wasn't being persuaded by Voldemort. And then he uh, crawls complaining to Harry about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she, she was being so belligerent and he's like, no, you don't get to call her dumb. Her strategy worked. Mm-hmm. Like the whole point that she had principles is that she and that she didn't violate them, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's very like Hermione would never have you know compromised it, where Harry would have done it, you know, after a second of you know internal agonization and gone for it, right? Yeah, yeah. You've been like, well, I guess this is still the best way to move forward if I want to. I, I guess I'm just going to have to listen to what Mister Cloak and Dagger is telling me and kill Hermione or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll just hand him over to Finch. And be like, here, he's your problem. Like giving the criminal to the police. 
And then that way his blood's not on my hands. I get to feel a little less icky about it. They're going to kill him anyway. I so mean, <laughs> is this the sort of thing where we are handing Jesus over to the Romans because we know the Romans will kill him for us and thus we are innocent? Well, except for Jesus actually deserved it. Or in this case. <laughs> <laughs> in this in this example, Jesus actually deserved it. Cool. Yes. Historical Jesus, I wasn't there. I don't know who he insulted. but Right? Um, yeah. It, it was fun on the Discord. Someone was recently arguing as um, that Jesus did actually deserve it. I am not enough of a scholar to have a take on it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, all right. There was, there was one other quote from this section where, um, June says to Amaryllis, he says, or you just think it's wrong regardless of utility that mm-hmm. stopped Amaryllis dead in her tracks. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking she finally said, I might have biases because of what happened to Folliter. Yeah. And I'm like being accused of <gasps> sentiment. Like, that's <laughs> enough. That's enough to stop her flat, you know, flat footed. I feel bad that she has to sort of awkwardly defend her position that she may be a little wary of soul rape as a soul rape survivor. Yeah, I I like that. It's very amaryllis. <laughs> I get. I mean, it is, but it's it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. I, I I guess I would. No, I wouldn't feel quite the same way anymore. But I sympathize with her. That was a really cool thing that she's like, oh fuck i'm i'm acting on emotions right now and it's true she she is the kind of person where it's like yeah just because this terrible thing happened to me doesn't mean that i need to be you know extra you know emotional about it going forward right Mm -hmm. but i feel like it would be understandable if she was but you know i'm just a um uh sentimental person i guess (laughs) how dare you steven yeah i'm gross yeah Speaking of gross things, uh, there's a guy with goat legs. <laughs> oh, being half a farm animal is tight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He says, uh, he points out that they are a new polity that is being supported by someone within the Imperium. Uh, and they have some of the highest tier entads possible in Arab, and they're operating on foreign soil and achieving, frankly, astonishing success, as he puts it. And Vilnesia um, picks up from this that uh, someone has been saying this could be a false flag operation, that it's actually someone in the Im- imperial uh, government that is doing all this, and they're just like, oh yeah, no, the Republic of Minun, I guess, they're completely independent actors, you know, they're, they're, there's none, no one, no chicanery going on here. And like, looking at it from the outside view, that that looks right. And uh, I think that's going to be a heck of a complication for them going forward. That people aren't going to trust their their own nation. That they're actually someone high up in the Empire trying to pull a uh, Emperor Sidious thing. Yeah. I, I'm glad you helped explain. Because that comes up in the next chapter, too. About, um, or I guess the chapter after the next chapter. Did I have these out of order? It goes the House of God, then politics, huh? Oh, I guess it does. Yeah. I guess in any case, uh, during the politics one, the same thing kind of comes up about, well, you know, the, the Republican minion, you know, you guys being here sure is convenient. And I'm like, well, you guys are just lucky and unlucky. Like it's not our fault. The DM threw this Kaiju at us just cause we got here, you know, but, um, you're right from the outside. We perfectly reasonable. Like, Hey, wherever these guys go, some catastrophe happens that they happen to solve. What are they just trying to run around and pretend to being heroes? Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're going to have to do something you know, solve some some other threat that, you know, maybe once they kill Felseed, then mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, okay, they didn't false flag Felseed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So but that, that's that's a ways off. Yeah. Well, it could be. He's currently invincible. So. Oh, good um, point. I mean, I know that he can't just walk in there. It's 
one does not simply walk into Felseed's territory, but... Well, also, uh, Prince's invulnerability wears off as soon as they leave the exclusion zone. No, it wears off as soon as he goes to sleep. Oh, no, wait. Either one. No, you're right. He does lose Prince's invulnerability when he leaves. He gets to keep the still magic high until he stays until he falls asleep. Yes. Okay, well, that sucks. I forgot. Yeah, because they leave, and they do it without any fanfare. It's like during a chapter break. Mm. And he uh, gave up his uh, Superman powers. I wanted him to do something just stupid with it. Like, jump off a building and just do superhero landing, right? I really loved what you suggested. <laughs> I'll bring it up when we, when we get there. <laughs> that was so good. All right, so what else did I have for this one? Um, oh, okay. So, actually, this is super appropriate leading us into the next chapter, because I called this out as weird, chicanerous, and deceitful hmm. when it first happened. So, they're doing the you know Bethel chat, and... Amaryllis is saying, the issue is that he's openly displaying a lack of trust. He had to have known that we had a warder. And Bethel says, calm yourself. And Amaryllis had no response to that other than to look slightly chagrined. Mm. And A, I love that she has just a back channel Zoom meeting. Um, mm. And But B, I've never before suspected that she would fake messages used through Bethel chat. Yeah. But the idea that she's telling someone to calm down and not be offended, and not be offended strains my credulity. The the fact that she would tell someone to calm down? Strange yeah. credulity? How come? Calm down, I don't think, is a, is a phrase Bethel has ever thought in her life. <laughs> well, maybe she, she'd like other people to calm down, and one of the ways to get them to calm down is killing them? That's true. And the, you know, it, it's probably not faked because Amaryllis's, like, posture and body language, you know, looking slightly chagrined, unless yeah. she used illusions to make that facial expression happen. Um it matches what was said, but I guess I would look chagrined too if my Voldemort house was telling me to chill out. And honestly, like maybe Amaryllis did have a response and Bethel just decided, ah, I'm not going to relay what she said back to June. Oh man. Yeah. That's, we can't rule it out. And you know, now that now, now that I've been, you know, piloting the Bethel hate train for this whole time mm-hmm. and anyone, <laughs> anyone who disagrees with me is a rape apologist. Um, <laughs> now, now I get shit on Bethel all I want. So the fair enough. Yeah. It's going to be hard to, to, to deflect that shit for a while. Actually, it's going to be super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience. Nice. I, I, I've got a, I think a fairly decent steel man of, of Bethel when we get there. Ooh. Um, the, okay. This is going to be a spicy one. I mean, it had to be. So actually, this brings me up to a meta note of the episode. You were like, oh, this will be tough, Stephen, to stop and, you know, cliffhangers. And like, this was like chill as fuck. It ends at a beach party. You know, I, I'm curious what the fallout's going to be at Bethel. But, you know, it's not like and then the DM showed up and I had to wait a week, you know. All right. We I guess we have very different <laughs> opinions on what is a cliffhanger, because when I was like, oh, my God, June has been raped. There is all this fallout and personal trauma like What's going to be happening? I was not able to stop reading for quite a ways when this thing went down. Like, uh, it, it would have been torture for me to have, like, read In the House of God and then had to stop anywhere in the next five or six chapters. I'll have to check the dates on my notes, but I know I did manage to spread it out over basically a couple of weeks. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe because I've been going into this knowing that I have to, t- like, that I have to take breaks. Mm-hmm. So maybe it makes it more palatable. Yeah. But you're right. If I if I had been on my on my own, I probably would have kept going just to see how this all sh- shakes out, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was hardly like, and then the DM was there, or then Raymer was there, or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me, those are more like the wait, what? Holy shit! This is mm-hmm. more just like, oh, things are getting tense, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that. I yeah, I guess I I was 
typical minding too much. No, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's an insight into how we each consume things. So, Well, let's get into this next chapter then. Uh, chapter 164, In the House of God, where the thing happens. And I did not, I did not get the um, chapter title initially because I was, I mean, I just read the chapter title and then I read and like, you know, half a chapter later, something happens that relates to the title. But by then I've forgotten what the chapter title is, you know, but on my second read through, when I got to this chapter, I was like, is this the, oh, oh, this is the, oh man, that, that is so wrong, Alexander. And I am so on board for it. <laughs> is is so is the pun that like kids get molested in churches no uh bethel means house of god oh yeah yeah so he's in the house of god oh that is a great pun i know I it's horrible i mean it's it's a pun but it's wrong it's very very wrong he has entered the house of god <laughs> yes. um and double pun uh a lot of well you know uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, I think definitely an above average rate of uh, of sexual assault occurs in the house of God. Um, so th- th- if it's there too. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Great. Terrible. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so this one, speaking of terrible stuff, Juden, Juden has just some great ideas here. He's reflecting on how easy it was to talk to Fen and how much he misses her. Mm-hmm. And he thinks to himself, like, it was the first time I really honestly thought about shoving every part of Fen's soul I could into someone else's body so that I could have a fac- facsimile of her just for a moment. Yeah. And I'm just like, so you mentioned, you know, the slippery slope of doing it once. And I'm like, well, shit, now he's just tobogganing down this slippery slope <laughs> of ma- of soul rate mayhem. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, and we've got a solution for what to do with that captured coldest dude. And yeah. that's the next thought he has. Yep. And I was like, well, shit, like my thoughts lined up with like his pessimistic bad ideas. And I was being like sarcastic. Yeah. Um, uh, but he he's aware that like some measure of this might just be like intrusive thoughts. Mm. Um which he's how do you yeah, separate like, those you know from from real stuff it's hard right yeah and i like that he's aware enough to be thinking oh this is actually a bad thing and i should not do it no matter you know how tempting it is because totally. yeah lots of times you get situations like that in real life and you don't have to feel bad for having thought of it as long as you don't act on it yeah you, I, no one should be in trouble for the thoughts they have i mean i agree yeah, I do got to say, it would be really hard not to make a simulacra. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Of of, of a dead soulmate. Like, yeah, I, I hope, I mean, I guess I'm never going to have that power. But if I ever did, I hope I could resist the temptation to do it. Because I can I can easily see myself doing that. Like, I, I reinitiated a, uh, a relationship with uh, someone that was absolutely horrible for me just because I missed them a lot. And uh, that was a terrible mistake. But, you know, maybe... Maybe it's like everything else where you eventually realize that doing this is toxic and harmful and you get it under control. Like, you know, lots of times that happens with drug use and alcohol use and getting back together with terrible exes. You just stop doing it when you realize how harmful it is. Yeah, I uh, um, I guess I'm thinking of two different situations. Like if you're bringing back somebody like I think there was a Black Mirror episode like that. Mm. Um, but so if you're bringing back somebody to uh like try to be with them again mm-hmm. i think it makes sense like okay yeah this will never work don't try it right mm-hmm. um i think that if you're just wanting to talk to richard Feynman, right yeah. he wrote several autobiographies we've got something like a way to reconstruct who he was mm-hmm. and uh i think doing that would be fine assuming richard would be okay with that right 
Honestly, I hope they do that for me if I ever die and are able to do that. Because That's the I next s- thing I was going to say is everyone oh. has my blanket permission to do that right. with me. Uh, yeah. All I ask is that if my simulacra asks that you stop doing that, that you at least stop doing that to that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because being forced to live when you don't want to really sucks. But uh, I-, I wouldn't mind getting like a second chance being like, oh, hey, this is a future. Neat. You guys did a pretty good job simulating me. Yeah, you know, it, it might not even be me, it might not even be sentient, I have no idea, but like, if there's some way to, you know, shove all of the stupid things I've said on podcast into a um, a thing that can generate new thoughts that sound kind of like the thoughts Steven would have had, uh, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's putting other future podcasters out of work. Eh, as long as my estate gets paid instead. Um, <laughs> okay. My, yeah, my, my estate. I don't, I, don't, I don't plan on having kids, so my, my legacy isn't going very far. Um, all right. Bethel knocks at the door. Yes. And uh, while June's in the middle of these terrible thoughts about, you know, turning somebody into something kind of like Ven. Mm. And Bethel comes in and I'm like, oh, okay, she's, she's going to go in for the D. Um, and I was like, is she going to get it? And then I was like, I'm putting my notes into these notes. Mm -hmm. I had to put parenthetically, like this turned out to be much less fun slash funny after what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it gets real fucking bleak, but I mean, it's still being set up kind of in that funny humor way. So I don't, I don't think it was untoward of you to have that reaction. Like June's one of the lines in the next paragraph was also she had boobs and who doesn't love boobs? It's, I it's know. A fine. It's a setup for funny, and then just just wham. You know, it's like one of those setup expectations, and then hit him in the face with uh with not what they were expecting at all. June gets you, raped. You know, it was less of a wham for me, and more of like a being put in a pot of you know heating water. Okay, because uh, it it didn't slap me in the face as much as it did like oh 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 damn damn okay, okay. so like yeah uh he, he's. So she comes in and she's like, hey, I got this meat suit now because of that Entad from what's his butt. Um, and that was your that was your hang up. Right. And he mm-hmm. and as far as I remember, no, it wasn't. That was one of the reasons he said. Um, but she's like, yeah, it okay, was I'll. one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of them. But yeah, like yeah. that wasn't his main problem. Right. And it, but so she's like, all right, well, I'll hang out while you think about it. And he's only getting through the pro parts of the list. Um, and. Like you said, at the end of it was like, well, and you know, who doesn't love boobs? And like, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, then, at, and then, then there are the other downsides. Most is centered around Bethel, comma, who, and then line break. He's like, time's up. And it's mm-hmm. like, he doesn't get to really get to the cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he, I mean, he treats that the best possible way where he's like, you know what? I didn't get to the cons. There's probably a bunch of them. I'm just, if the time's up, I'm just going to say no. Which you have that same kind of thing. If you're feeling time pressured by someone o- over anything, you're just like, no, I'm out. Fuck this. Yeah, no, you don't get to, and especially too, when there's not, a, you know, this clock is artificial, Bethel. Give me five yeah. more minutes. Like, this yeah, is a yeah. big decision for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she she is indeed here for the D. Um, I What's funny is, like, when June's thinking about it and his prose list is, like, several paragraphs long, mm-hmm. it's just super clear that his boner is doing all the thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, I... You know, sure, she's you know got some stuff, and uh, you know, ever, but everyone's got issues, and um, mm-hmm. you know, if she just wants to try it, well, hey, you know, who am I? You know, like it's it's very much himself talking himself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then before his prefrontal cortex gets to turn to drive, Bethel moves in for the D, overriding June's repeated objections. Yeah, and um, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say the uh, what am I trying to say here? Like it's obvious he he's being assaulted and taken advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I guess, so I had like a long train of thought in, my, in the comments when I was writing this, because I forced myself to drag this, you know, chapter out over the course of days mm-hmm. that like, you know, this is a pretty surface point to make, you know, rapes, rape bad is not a hot take. Right. Um, but so like, I thought that there's gonna be some kind of like deeper thing to it. And I think there, there, there might be a little bit there, but um, as it becomes clear through like more thinking about it over the next couple of chapters, like it really is just shining a light on this. And I think it's actually super awesome. Um, the thing is like th- this, this is a recurring background thought for June for like the next three chapters. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to hit all the Bethel stuff at once and you know, then just kind of like summarize the non-Bethel stuff from the next couple of chapters. I think that would be ideal because there's, I mean, that's the big thing of this section of chapters, right? Like we should tackle it. Yeah. And then that way we don't have to like remember where to put our thoughts in and stuff. Yeah, um, that works for me. So it's it's a hard scene, man, because like June said no, and that should be enough. And Bethel is just like completely oblivious and doesn't care about him at all. Like she's just using him to get what she wants and she can because she has that power and he's terrified of her. So he does what he thinks is going to keep him from getting hurt. Um, And. We were we were joking um, the whole time. We anytime we made any like sex joke stuff, I kept thinking of this rape scene that was coming and how it plays and how I can't say anything. But like when we were saying things about um, June and Grack, like getting together because Grack wanted like a Crin real, he was feeling really bummed out, and we were like, yeah, you know, just lean over, give your bro a bro job, help him out, you know, and like I. I think that is like a nice thing that people can do for each other. And, you know, she comes in and like, Oh, you owe me a favor. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you know, sex work is legitimate. And maybe that can be one way you can uh, pay off a favor if you have a favor to someone. But like, the thing is June isn't that kind of person. Like he has very much absorbed this ideal that we have in, uh, at least in Midwest America, that uh, sex is a dirty, harmful, degrading thing. And the only time it isn't that is in this one special, very sacred exception. And in that case, it's okay. But in all other cases, it's terrible. And so he like, that doesn't work for him. He's not a person who is open. He's not a person who's like very sexually mature either. He hasn't had a lot of experiences. So ideally maybe if he was a bit older a bit more mature a bit less hung up on the midwestern ideals that wouldn't have been that big a deal you know he'd be like okay you know what i'm not really that into it but i'm helping you out you're getting a new experience and i'm covering some of the debt for for everything we've been asking you to and it wouldn't be a big deal but but you know that's not who he is and you can't just say to someone i if you were someone else you if you were someone else this would be fine like that's that's the entire point. I'm not someone else. And so this is not fine. And uh, he wasn't okay for this. And Bethel went in for it. And I just, I feel sad that it, that it was this way. And like Bethel doesn't even fucking know. Like afterwards, she's like, that's something you humans like, isn't it? Spontaneity. And it's, it's just, I like that this is a, a, this isn't just like a violent rape or someone is held down and screaming and raped because those are, I mean, those are traumatic and terrible too, but these are more, it's a more complex problem that cannot be solved in a simple, direct way. And I think that makes for interesting storytelling. And that is good storytelling. I mean, if it was, you know, cut and dry, you know, um, 
you know, falter style, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, yeah, she's the bad guy, right? Yeah. Um, in this, it seems like almost an honest mistake. Um, but well, I want to talk. That's not my full take on it. I had two two things about what you said. One, you said that June's Midwestern upbringing made him think that like sex was dirty, except for one special circumstance. And I don't think that's true. Um, I think that it made him think that sex is like special, but not like it's dirty unless whatever special circumstances met. I'm not sure what special I, circumstance you're thinking of. That's a special circumstance. Yeah, well, not just but, no, not necessarily marriage, but the special circumstance of two people being in love and committed to each other. Like he can't even look at uh, Amrilis or anyone in air when they're changing or when they're taking a bath. Like to, to him, that's that's shocking and dirty thing to do. It makes you a a predator to look at them like that, and uh, that's because it's sexual, and any sexual stuff is bad. Hmm, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this lately kind of still tossing around what we talked about in the Beijing conspiracy like last year. And like, then you had said, well, you know, it, you know, like we talked about bro jobs with crack and you know, like, yeah, you know, why not like, you know, pay off a friend with a, you know, sexual favor. I don't know if I love that precedent. Um, you know, it, Hey, can I help you? You know? Yeah, I can help you move, but you're gonna have to suck my dick. Like that's such a, that's such a weird thing to say. Um, that would be terrible. That would be like saying that'd be any sort of other you know exchange. At that point, you're just like, well, you know what? Fuck you. Go hire a mover. It's like I'll help you move because you're my friend. And then maybe later, like, oh, you're you're you know really horny. I can help you with this way if it's not like gross to me. You know, it's. I don't think sex is as big a deal as our culture tends to make it out to be. And um, obviously, you can't just do that now because of how it is viewed by most people. But. I, I think it should be like, oh, you helped me move. Okay, I, I will help you uh, create a new computer from parts if if that's what you need. Or you help me move, I can help you change your oil because changing car oils is something I know how to do. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I'm I can see both sides of that because, like, on the one hand, it is like an intense uh, social thing for people in our culture because it's an intense social thing in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like. I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure there's never been a better time to be gay in America, right? I, um, yeah, I think so. At least in America. I mean, at yeah. least basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Maybe it was better eight years ago, but, you know, <laughs> but marginally, right? Mm. Um, so, like, being gay 100 years ago in America sucked. Yeah. Um, you know, ever, because people hated them because people were stupider. Um, mm. So, like, in that sense, like... It was a drag. I guess what I'm getting at is like the culture around you can legitimately impact your feelings on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if if your culture takes it seriously, like it just becomes serious. You mm-hmm. don't get to decide, well, I'm going to be the only one who doesn't care about this. Because um, right. then you come out as gay in, you know, Taliban controlled Middle East and you're just, you know, stoned to death. Right. Um, so like, I don't know. And then I guess, I don't know. I, but on the other side of it, like, I don't see sexual pleasure as just like any other thing. Um, Cause I, I do feel like the, the violations of it are higher than other things, but that could just be because that's how society views it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like getting, you know, getting shoulder shoved on the bus is one thing. Having somebody grope your tit as you're walking off the bus is something else, even though it probably hurt less. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, like, I feel like most people prefer to be shouldered. Um, it, but maybe that's just because people are prude. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, 
I'm sort of rambling. I wanted to talk about Bethel stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause all this stuff. So, um, like I said, for a while, I thought it was going to be like some sort of, and it still is going to be like a, a, like a deeper nuanced point and not like, not like it's not deep enough. Cause it's not like when someone says, Oh, it's, I thought it was deeper than that. It sounds like a diss, but it's not right. in my, in what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, I thought he was making some subtler point, but a point doesn't have to be subtle to be important and awesome. So like, uh, you know, I thought that he was making, I thought that for a while, Alexander was making a point about how female in air quotes, cause she's a house. Mm-hmm. Um, She's in the like, female body at the time, though. Right. You know, it's so like female on male rape is treated slash thought about differently um, mm-hmm. than the reverse. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't until the 70s when federal law actually made it legally possible for men to get raped. Um, right. So uh, it used to be like rape was defined as like non-consensual penis entering a vagina or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or non-consensual penetration with genitals, I think, something like that. Yeah, that's right. So, but it was, it was impossible for a man to be raped by somebody, I guess, who wasn't a man. Um, So anyway, like here's where it does get nuanced though. Um, And I can't remember what order these quotes happened in, so I'm not sure. But so one giant point in favor of the, he was savagely raped interpretation, Um, like you, you summarized, but he says, if I pushed her off and told her no, then, if she really wanted to, she could overpower me or kill me in a thousand gruesome ways or just hurt me even if I could heal back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a... Th- that's not the kind of thought you want to be having, you know, no. while trying to be intimate with somebody. Yeah. Um, to, to put it as mildly as possible. Yeah. Uh, that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's horrifying knowing that she's, you know, he, she's always been scary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we watched her... In, in a fit of rage, cut off Raven's fingers. Um, and that, that, that wasn't even work for her. Right. Yeah. If she wanted to get creative with the ways to hurt June, she could fuck him up. Yeah. Um, and like I, she, she could straight later, up kill him. I think through princess vulnerability. Um, yes. I mean, if she wanted to, she could just teleport the house outside of the skin uh, exclusion zone and he's not vulnerable anymore. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but even if she didn't do that, she could like suffocate him. She could slap all the air out of the room or whatever. Yeah. Put wards around him that do something. Um, yeah. 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 Anyway. So, but then, so the wrinkle of it, and this was, and this actually comes into play in the last chapter, but I think I'm going to leave that there. Um, just to, mm, no, I'll bring it up here. Uh, but so anyway, the other wrinkle of it was him saying, and I liked it on so many levels. I liked it, not just the purely physical, but the sense of the forbidden, the bad idea that I knew what I'd regret giving into basal impulses, the roughness and intimacy, the power she held over me. Like he's into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't ask for it. In fact, he explicitly asked not for it. Right. And the fact so that she didn't have consent is what makes it rape. Yeah. And like the second that someone uses a phrase like degrees of rape. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're definitely cruising for a bruising. Um, well, I think there are degrees of rape though. Like this obviously isn't as bad as if he had been held down and violently raped. Right. He wasn't left bloodied and battered afterwards. You know, he's kissing her fingers and, you know, cuddling, right? Yeah, well, um, yeah. He's going through the motions of cuddling to, because he's scared that if he doesn't, he'll be hurt. See, that's, that's the thing. I read that, uh, you know, when it happened. And then again, when I was putting my notes together and I can't quite tell if he was trying to do it like for his own sort of like, um, you know, 
here's how I'm going to cope with it by pretending this to myself out loud. Or if it's like, I'd better placate my captor. Um, I think it's a bit of both. It's definitely, but, it, it might be a bit of both, but there were, there were a number of things that he calls out as saying, like the one where he, I think he explicitly said, and I'll find it in my notes later, that saying it like turned his stomach to say it, but it made her happy. And so mission accomplished. She's not going to beat him now or, or whatever, you know, the Bethel equivalent is of that. Uh, because he said something that made him sick, but made her happy to hear. And so he's placated his abuser for a few more minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I do think that the, I liked it part is not, it's not that, um, big of a wrinkle because it's on, I mean, on some level, it's just a physiological response. And I've heard that it can, like sometimes women say, yes, I orgasmed while I was being raped and it was horrible because my body was turning against me. Like I, I can't believe that this happened during one of the most horrible violating moments of my life, but it did. And you know, you can't always control what your body is doing. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And so what I was mumbling there in the background for was because I was digging into chapter four where I made this note to, and then I just copied and pasted it into this one. Um, this is when he's talking with the doe about it. He's saying, I'm so worried that Amaryllis won't believe me or that she'll have a different interpretation. And I'm like, holy shit. Like Alexander Wales really hit this on the head with the hammer of Thor. Like, and I, and I made the point that you said that a lot of sexual assault victims feel somehow complicit because their bodies respond to the sexual attention. Mm-hmm. And the book's highlighting this, right? Mm-hmm. When we were talking about the handjob Bramer got from Lissy, and I knew we were getting really close to this chapter at this point, and you were like, uh, was that sexual assault? She just like jumped on his dick before he could even say anything and started wanking him off. And I kind of came to the defense of Lissy because I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. I think she was reading Raymer correctly and Raymer didn't protest and they're very happy now. So obviously if we take, you know, take the after effects into consideration, like maybe she was taking a risk there and she shouldn't have taken it. And I certainly wouldn't have, but, uh, it turned out to be okay. So I don't think it was necessarily rape, but um, I would never have called it rape either. I think, you know, it might've been assault. Yeah. But as it was, since he turned out to be cool with it, you know, it doesn't seem like it was. Um, and like, maybe Lissy was getting some kind of like, we, we don't actually see the scene played out. Maybe Lissy was getting some sort of um, signal, like a tent in his pants. Yeah. yeah some kind of <laughs> nonverbal indication that he is into this. Right. Uh, I, I've heard there's a lot of times you can tell if somebody wants to start fucking you. There's ways to get nonverbal consent too. So that actually really, th- that's, I think the crux of like the, is Bethel a complete sociopath? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my, like, try to defend Bethel thing, which is fun because I usually am on the side of defending why I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Um, so first and foremost, not a person, right? Right. Like she's like pretending to be one. She's trying to learn how to human. Yeah. And she's she's seen that people often pr- profess desires that don't align with their actual desires. And she's really good, like really, really good. You mentioned like uh, nonverbal cues. Um, she's really good at reading his body. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, she, she even like talks about, you know, his penile erectionist, like as it's going up and down while he's thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think the the main thing is like she isn't good at reading people's minds because she can't model them that well. Cause she's, she's not a person yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, she, whatever human she, she is, she's got personhood status, but not human status. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so like I think that you know he, she heard the no sounds or whatever, but a she she wanted it, but like his body said yes over and over, right? No, and no, she you- she probably heard that in heard in air quotes way louder than what he said because like the way her sensorium works, right? Right. But lots of times you can be opposed to what your body wants at a time. Like we had just been saying earlier, you can think things and feel things. And even if they're bad things, as long as you don't act on them, it's fine. You can think and feel whatever you want. And uh, that's that's why we have words. Because oh, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And I, I, I'm coming at this from the perspective of a house who's trying to be a person. She, well, okay. Yeah. So she's she's bad at being a person. So maybe this wasn't – I mean – and this wasn't intentional on her part, but she has a history of not giving two shits about anybody else's consent or their opinions on how they should be treated. Like, she just didn't care that he said no. And that's that's the problem with Bethel. And that's why, even though she is just a house, it, it, the problem isn't that she is bad at reading people or that she... Um, doesn't understand how humans work. The problem is that she doesn't care how humans work when she wants something. Yeah. I I, I think that you've successfully put a hole in the steel man. Like the main thing that I was going (laughs) for was that like, again, so, you know, you and I as humans understand that, you know, somebody's uh, expressed desires or lack thereof override whatever else might be happening. Right. I mean, I Um, just want to say you have a very hard job here trying to steel man Bethel. And I, like I had the most minor of of victories, if you could even call it that. Like you, I I admire what you're trying to do here, and I, I don't want you to like say, "Oh, you did a good job to me," because I don't think I did that good a job. I just <laughs> <laughs> it was not a very dense steel man, but of course, there's not a lot of ground to stand on, right? Um, yeah. But I here, here's the thing: the reason that I'm inclined to even bother thinking like how 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 will this work in a way that makes Bethel not the monster. Mm-hmm. Is because I do want this this to work out, right? Yeah, I, I want their their relationship, such as it is, to be okay. Um, yeah. I want the group dynamic to work. I want like this seems like a great growth opportunity for for her, right? Yes. Um, now, granted, it shouldn't have come at the cost of this, but like it's, I guess, if if I were to throw her in the Follower bucket of irredeemable sociopaths. Mm-hmm. then like then all i want is to see what it takes to kill bethel um yeah which could be a fun fight um but a- as it is i think that what i'm what i'm really looking forward to is at some point june is going to talk with her about it mm-hmm. and either she'll be defensive and bitchy um or she might be that first and then you know then change her her attitude um but if she stays defensive and bitchy and like won't capitulate at all then we get to kill this house um but i i kind of am imagining that when it really hits her that like she violated somebody unintentionally thinking that well it seems like you wanted this or i thought i knew it was best for you like that's what people said to her right yeah and that that was i think it'll humble her substantially and put her down the path to being more human and i i'm have like this mental image of like him talking with her and like the realization hitting her so hard that like her illusion breaks and like mm-hmm. she just kind of flees for a while because she like literally can't put herself together enough to maintain a quote unquote body. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really hoping that's how this goes down. And, you know, she doesn't just say sorry. Right. She yeah. she moves 
towards being like the best version of herself she can possibly be. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a good, that is a good observation. I, I also hope that it goes that way and that she will learn and become better as a person. I, I feel weird about it because lots of times people can get away with things um, that are bad just because people don't want to lose them from the community. Like this, you don't want to lose Bethel from the group. She is a friend. Um, she is a contributor. And and what do you do about the fact that this happened? And she didn't, like, she still doesn't think she did anything wrong just yet. She doesn't understand um, that that not caring about other people's consent and opinions is not something you can always just get away with. And sometimes in real life, people are tolerated in communities much more than they should be because... I don't know. It's 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 like oh well, it wasn't that bad. Like he made an inappropriate joke and slapped someone's butt. Yeah, it'd be too awkward to kick him out of the group for over that, and and then they can get away with things and it gets worse. And I I I put this in the notes that like this is um their reliance on Bethel is a really big problem here because problem. I want to say when I was reading this, I was thinking like. June has a problem because he is fucked up by this. He has some post-traumatic stress here and he, like he's doing what you would call soul mutilation to himself to deal with it. And would I, we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. And and part of the reason for that is because uh, despite this terrible thing happening to him, Bethel is a huge asset to the group. Like she is the most powerful person by far right now. Uh, they They literally need her. They eh. might not survive without her, as we saw with Fen. Uh, she, she, they couldn't have killed um, um, Mumrath without her. Like she's, she's the equivalent of the really big villager in the village that can do all the plowing. Or if we're going, you know, slightly further in the timeline, the military leader that has the loyalty of the army. Like what she brings is so valuable that okay, you overlook some occasional rapes or murders because you just can't afford to lose what she brings to your nation or village or whatever. And I think that's that's a hard thing to confront. And yet, probably you have to. Like, in the real world, I would say, like, no one person can be that important. You have to punish them for doing this sort of thing because otherwise more and more people can do it and then their underlings can get away with it and you just, you have to put a snuff on it. But, like, in this world, they're, like, they're literally trying to become God and save trillions of people from the hells and rewrite all of reality. Like, maybe... Maybe you accept some rape now and there uh, to get to get that goal met, you know? I don't know. If, if Uther had to rape a house every five years to, you know, do what he did, it seems worth it. But you're right. On Earth, it doesn't – there's no comparison. But no, I mean, one's, I think, no one's so invaluable here that they can't be replaced by somebody else. All I can think of – sorry, go ahead. Isn't that literally what Uther did? That, that, that Bethel felt, felt like she was violated by Uther many times, and Uther was probably doing like, "Yeah, I have to do this to save the world," right? I don't. I, I mean, I, I said do it every five years, like kind of like a you know s- sacrificial altar kind of thing. But mm. uh, as far as I know, he only he was only around Kumduna for a few months, um, like total, right? Just but, a few months of raping, yeah. No, no, I think that they only did the sex thing maybe once because, like, he lost his oh, shit. Oh. He shoved yeah. entads into her. Um, but that was I bringing her Steve. more and more sentient each time. It's worth noting for the sake of posterity that we had some technical difficulties, probably due to the blizzard 
ruining internet or something. Cause I made some, I'm not sure how this will be when you chop it together, but I made a couple of jokes that got no reaction. So they sounded terrible. Oh, uh, sorry. So, no, no. Le- I think leave them in. Cause it'll be, it'll be funny um, <laughs> okay. in a, in a very grim way, but right. uh, you can even People leave in be the- like, Oh, he just really pissed off. <laughs> you, you can even leave in the part where I'm like, Oh, you didn't laugh, which makes me think that either that was a really bad joke or something happened. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So the, the last thing I was saying was that, uh, when you were talking about like the military leader or whatever about mm-hmm. how they're so valuable, all I could think of the entire time you were making that case was like, oh yeah, when you're a celebrity, you can get away with whatever you want, grab by the pussy, uh, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Well, and well, that's how some people's attitudes are, and yet here on Earth, yeah. that's just not the case. Like nobody matters that much. Um, Thankfully, it's not impossible that at some point in history, somebody might have been that important. But like, oh, I'm sure the if, actual emperors of actual empires were. Yeah. I mean, somebody else would have stepped in, you know. Genghis like, Khan raped his way across Asia, dude. I don't think it would have been such a bad thing if someone would have stopped to him, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. I mean, someone should have, yes, but yeah. no one did. Yeah, well, no one could. Um, anyway. Uh, did you ever see, um, sorry, slight slight off track, but apropos to this, um, the death of Stalin? Yes. Remember that uh, high-ranking? Uh, I don't even remember what his position was anymore, but he was like one of the um, right-hand men of Stalin, who was just like every now and then saw a young girl, had her brought in, raped her, then gave her family a whole lot of money. God, no! How did I forget that part? I guess I, I successfully blocked it out. Yeah, yeah, because he was just like, you know what? I'm important enough that I can do this, and Stalin's not going to get rid of me for it. And uh, I realized this kind of fucks you over. So here's a ton of money. You guys are set now. And it was just, it was really fucked up. It was, I mean, I, I was glad the movie ended how it ended. But that 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 was a different situation than, um, like, so so Bethel isn't just running around raping everybody because she can, right? Right. Yeah. She she did it once, probably by something approximating a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that there's a concern isn't because like she can pay us off or that she's friends with Voldemort. It's that you know, well. She's a really good house. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, you know, possibly by mistake is th- there. there is a thing like negligence. And there's some situations where you be extra careful because you know that someone could be hurt by what you're doing, like carrying a big load down the highway or uh, or moving in for sex stuff. And it is a moral failing to not be extra careful in some situations. And that is why one of the reasons I think uh, Bethel did a very bad thing here she was very negligent uh at the least i mean it was more than just that but that was a starting point of how much she sucked in this situation i agree um i think it was called the ethics of belief and i think the author's last name was clifford uh short essay but it makes the same point that you did um that you can you are morally culpable for your uh bad decisions yeah um you know, and your negligence, you know, especially if the idea occurred to you, like, you know, is that mattress really secure on the roof of my car? Meh, it'll be fine. And then it's not, and it flies out and, you know, hits a car behind you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's your fault, even if it doesn't occur to you, is it secure? Like, no, it's still your fault. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's interesting. So he's worried that, like, Amaryllis won't believe him or that, you know, she'll say look suck it up because we need bethel um i yeah or just like or the standard you know did you say no hard enough i didn't hear you screaming you know 
Yeah, we don't know what the, uh, like, how far Arab is on the, like, wokeness about sexual consent track, right? Considering how liberal they are about nudity and stuff, I think they're fairly liberal, but it's hard to say. They're still kind of medievalish in many ways. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, they they still have, you know, the fact that Amaryllis was tortured by a revision mage was just like a thing that happens, not like the atrocity of the century, right? Yeah. So June's worried, like, you know, is she going to believe me? And I'm like, I really don't think, A, they should have any trouble believing any any bad thing you said about Bethel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I don't think she's not going to believe you. And I desperately hope that she'd tell Bethel to go get fucked and leave with June if it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to think that Amaryllis is more human and compassionate than she lets on. Mm-hmm. And she'd prioritize a close friend over a really cool weapon. But yeah. I don't know. The Amaryllis I believe in wouldn't let the fact that Bethel's so awesome, stop her from smiting the shit out of her. Uh, If, if it came down to uh, a contest of, of strength, right. You know, I think Val will be able to help mediate or something and it will probably Mm -hmm. go better than the last time she tried that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I do think there's things to be said about the whole, you know, she's not a human, she's a Pinocchio. So maybe a little more slack can be cut her way because of that. And, and also think it has to, right. Yeah, it has to. And he, gets more and more dissociative and fucked up as these chapters go on. And, and his, like, you're right. Like his dissociation and stuff really kicks up. And especially when, when they're talking about Bethel, like for the first time, I think since she was Kung Duna in the bottomless pit, they describe like going back, like towards the building as like foreboding or something or ominous mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, She's looming on the horizon. Yeah. And he moves out. Yeah. And so, like, Bethel's going to know something's up. Hey, you know, your heart rate goes up in a very nervous way every time you approach the building and uh, you moved out. What the hell? They're going mm-hmm. to talk about this. As, you know, he's not going to be able to keep this away for too long. Yeah. Um, and I just hope that she's not a bitch about it. Like, so so that's the thing is, you know, she, she gets a pass, I think, for basically everything once because she's not a person. That said, this is a pretty big, like, you know, well, I said no when I you know, and then you cut my fingers off anyway. But yeah. well, I said no. And then, you know, you cut my hand off anyway. Like you shouldn't need to, to explain everything. It should just like when I say no, don't do it. Right. Um, I, I, it I, seems I, like she should know that lesson by now. There's, uh, there's a level of pass that you shouldn't get because you're not a person. And I think they kind of erred by letting her get away with so much before. Like before it was like she cut off someone's fingers and like, oh, okay, we'll forgive you. No big deal. So she's used to just having people say, oh, yeah, that was no big deal what you just did, no matter how much the person at the time didn't want it to happen. I wonder if the conversation she had with Amaryllis a few chapters ago helped lay the groundwork for what will hopefully be her growth arc. Mm-hmm. Um, Amaryllis said, you can't just say sorry. You've got to do better, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like I said, she should have known better for this. It's it's hard to make a good case that like this is a reasonable misunderstanding. Um, but what's reasonable for her is not necessarily what's reasonable for me. Cause again, we're dealing with a non-human mind, but uh, I feel like she's been around people enough to know that no means no, but yeah. Uh, what will, I think what will make the, the case is or like, we'll make or break the future of this dynamic will be like how she responds. Yeah. How she responds. And if, if she, if she, I, I could see her in making like an initial defense, right? But if she doesn't quickly understand that, like, no, look, you wronged me, like, intensely, um, then, yeah, this, it's going to it's gonna blow up, right? 
Yeah. So, and I don't know about you, but like you mentioned, like they need Bethel. I think the second that Bethel's gone or whatever, either kicked out of the party or killed, mm-hmm. they won't need her anymore. Like uh, the DM won't throw another Momrath at them that they need a Bethel to kill if they don't have a Bethel. I think, I mean, if he does, they'll find some, either they'll bring Bethel back or they'll find some other way to deal with it that like, I mean, if they didn't have Bethel for Momrath, they probably would have found some other way to kill Momrath. Yeah, they could have strapped a void, uh, what are you, chain, chain gun? What are, like those, that repeating gun, right? With the rotating mm-hmm. barrel, the mm-hmm. void one of those. They could have strapped that just to the ship, right? To the egress. Like, that's I mean, not as good, could, but That's almost it's nothing, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. There, there, there's some ways of, of doing stuff, right? They they had seven shots way. with Fen's bow. Um, I feel like seven void nukes might have made a hole big enough to to hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I guess what I'm saying though is that storytelling wise, if you take out Bethel, then you stop throwing in things that you need Bethel to solve. Right. Yeah. So she can be safely removed from the party. From the outside view, yes, I think so. From the inside, like I don't know, would the DM punish them for making a stupid decision like that? Would he be like, oh, well, I made this adventure with Bethel in mind. Good luck, guys. Let's see if you can handle it. And and I don't know. It, it's hard to say with this DM. I I mean, it hurts to say it, but I don't think like the party ever needed Ben. Yeah. So the one time that we lost a party member isn't a good litmus test for like what happens if you lose somebody you need. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like it wouldn't be good storytelling, you know, like... In games, if uh, if you need the the I don't know the Elder Scroll, you literally just can't drop it from your inventory, right? Right. Because you need it for later in the story, and if you don't have it, the game doesn't work. Like the game just prevents that from happening. Yeah. Um, so I feel like uh, if you were just allowed to throw the Elder Scroll into a volcano, and then suddenly you can't finish the game, like that'd just be a bad way to build a game. <laughs> I mean, uh, there have been a number of games that have had that exact problem. And it usually is a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, there there are awesome ways to go around to that. But like, if that's just how the game works, then no, that's a drag. Yeah, uh, I've, I've had that happen with games that two different people that I know. Any quick examples? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, the first one is in Fallout 2, the original Fallout 2. Uh, at the very, very end of the game, after like 40 hours of this role-playing thing, uh, there is a, you, you have to fuel up a tanker to get to the last level of, of the game. Literally the final dungeon. You need to fill up a tanker with oil to get there. Uh, there's, uh, a group of Scientologists in the city as well who are like, Hey man, give us the oil instead so we can fuel up our spaceships and go meet L. Ron Hubbard in space, you know? And you can, if you want to do that. Uh, and if you do that, then you can't get to the last dungeon because the tanker doesn't have oil and you can't ever get the oil back from their spaceship (laughs) and you're just you're stuck without being able to beat the game especially if you don't have a save from before that point and you you just have you have to start the game all over from the beginning i think what i love about it is uh shoot who's the designers behind those games um black isle at the time oh so it was black isle for elder scrolls (laughs) 2 i know that um daggerfall the elder scrolls game and these 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 games are pretty similar uh I think less so back in the day as they are now, but um, it said, remember when games used to come with like little instruction manuals, mm-hmm. it basically said, don't save scum this game. Oh like, no. 
no, like you can, no, no we can't yeah. stop you. And it yeah, says yeah. like, you know, you can do this, but we've, we've got a story here that no matter what you do, interesting things will happen. Oh, like good. if you mess up, you can live with the consequence of that decision and see what the fallout is. Yeah. Um, it's funny that like you have to tell players that, uh, yeah. but you know, you want to not fuck up. You want the cool best outcome of the quest or whatever. Yeah. But I remember, you know, I was all stoked for Skyrim, which came out, what, 12 years ago. Um, no, wait, 11 years. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, and uh, for a few of the quests, I remember looking stuff up to make sure I did it right before I finished it because I didn't want to fuck it up. I resolved mm-hmm. not to do that with the next game uh, right. or with Horizon Zero Dawn next month. Um, like, no, if it fucks up, like, that's just how it goes. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the game. Exactly. Assuming the game was done well. Yeah, which is going to be a toss up with Elder Scrolls, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right. Speaking I think of that said, DM, yeah, we, I think we can move on from this. Dude, in the middle of being raped, June gets achievement progress on a key for seven locks. I wish this was a quest instead of an achievement. <laughs> Why? Because it would be an extra fuck you. Okay. Like, it'd be like the secret source of, like, June knowing that, like, man, I could get an XP dump if only I banged everyone in the party. Yeah. You know? But it's, it's just an achievement. Achievements don't do anything. Yeah. And so it would just, I think it would be more of a knife twist from the DM if he got experience for this, right? <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. But you know, you know just... he doesn't get to see his XP meter, but like, you know, it, I don't, j- it, it would just be, it would be an extra kick in the dick. Yeah. To me, it was just the fact like the, the achievement cares not at all for you did your penis ejaculate in one of your companions yes boom like even if you're getting raped at the time i was like oh my god this this is some fucked up shit this dm man he's he's just twisting that knife for what it's worth my read on the uh the quest isn't that it involved ejaculation it just the key had to go in the lock huh it's a nitpick but okay maybe it, it, I, it, I don't it's, remember. It's, it's the difference that makes no difference, but right. <laughs> um, I, I just took it like I imagined it happening, like at the beginning. Um, well, it'd be much easier to get the achievement if you just like lined up all the companions and closed your eyes and like one thrust quick each. <laughs> well, sure, but it'd be an, a weird conversation with them. And since it's just an achievement, he's not even getting XP for it. Like I think they would all yeah. happily be like, "All right, fine for for, for the XP." For the XP, we'll close I will our close eyes my eyes of, and think of England. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but not for an achievement. Now, fuck you, June. So, so your gamer score can go up? Get get fucked. At least um, buy me dinner first. Fuck. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I think that's that's basically everything on Bethel. It comes up briefly again uh, in the last chapter, but I think that is worth saving for that part. Yeah. Um, One thing she does say here, which... Um, is only vaguely related. Uh, she points out that humans don't make sense more than any other species. You don't have proper brains, <laughs> and I, I, I take it on. I take her on her word on this because she's probably had a lot of species come through their house, and I think that's just really cool. That like in the worlds June creates, they always have uh, in, intelligent agents that are more mentally coherent in some way. Uh, th- they just work better in one aspect or another. Whereas the humans are just humans and we're all fucked up and uh, it feels it feels very much like something June would do. And also maybe I, I just I like it a lot. Yeah, I my only comment was I've never been so offended by something I 100 percent agreed with. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, so he's thinking I can't just give her the cold shoulder because this scary alien house like we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. 
how does this uh, chapter end up? Um, oh yeah. Uh, I think you pulled out last couple of quotes here, I guess. Um, but I think we talked, I don't know if you want to touch on it. Yeah, we we did, we did this whole chapter. Let's move on. Yeah. I I guess the, the only thing in this, this is kind of leading into the next stuff is that, um, you know, like once he's, once he's alone again, he's still not feeling better. Right. Um, and you know, we've known that she's been keeping a, a bar graph of every one of his erections since he got, you know, since he moved in and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like now he's super aware of that. Mm-hmm. And now it's less of like, oh, Bethel, you silly goose and more of just like, oh, fuck, you know, kind yeah. of constantly under surveillance. Now you get why I didn't like this spy house the whole time, you know, I it finally makes sense. And, you know, as long as we're talking about game mechanics involved here, it was surprising he didn't get a loyalty bump. You know, yeah, he really should have. If anything deserved it. Yeah. Um, you know, he he let somebody have sex with him against, you know, when he didn't want it. Uh I, I feel like she discovered a- <laughs> she got to explore a new aspect of humanity that she was curious about this whole time and he doesn't get a loyalty point for it. He gave her her first orgasm. Yeah, there that too. Yeah. And he he was a I'm assuming a gentle and considerate lover slash rape victim and what? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So. Yeah. Oh, I've well. certainly given a loyalty point increase to everyone I've ever had an orgasm with. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. We, we have to end this with levity because it's a, it's a grim thing, but yes. Uh, all right. We're moving on to politics, blah, blah, blah. Yes. He points out that the empire, if they were to install a, a new ruling council, that could look like a coup. Cause I mean, it kind of would be almost. And I, I only pull this out because I find this, like really interesting this inspection of politics and what it's going to mean to the world stage about what our heroes have done and the consequences of it and despite the chapter name of politics blah 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 i i really like politics when it's well done and i think alexander wales does too because we're getting a lot of it in this chapter so i hope we get a lot more of it yeah he wouldn't have named the chapter this if it wasn't on the nose right like Mm -hmm. it it's it's obviously important stuff it's interesting like for me I could basically take it or leave it, but it, your comments on it actually make me interested in it. And I don't oh. know why I'm not able to generate these thoughts independently. Maybe I'll get there. But mm-hmm. like, as I was going through it, I'm like, and they're talking about, oh, well, what about the fate of Leo? I'm like, fuck Leo, just leave. <laughs> like, fly back to your guys' island. And if, and if you get around to it when you're God, you can come back and fix it. Like, you've got what you came for. You know, mm-hmm. sure, the place is in shambles, but... You know, you're you're a hero in a game that happens once in a while. Yeah, sorry I burnt down your village, but I really needed this thing. Bye. Like, <laughs> awesome. But you know what? I'll make it up to you in a few levels. <laughs> I think you're you're just more politically savvy and aware than I am. Like to me, this just seems like a bunch of morons, fucking Jif. Yes. Um, complaining that they don't want help and complaining that they desperately need help. Like. It, I think I think you have to uncharitably squint or just look through Jif's eyes to see this as a coup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, you guys have this giant rotting beast and like giant giant, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys are now in exclusion zone and a bunch of dead people, and not to mention the mom mooks that are running around eating people. Like y'all need backup, and then backup comes in like, well, what are you guys doing here? Stopping, you know, stepping on our sovereignty, and it's like you guys are all dying. You want us to wait till you're dead? Then we can come in and clean this mess up? Like, no, what she, wants ridiculous. Is, what she wants is to rule Leon, and this is her opportunity to do it. I really, really hope 
something bad happens to her. <laughs> What's going to happen is she's going to be put in charge and it's going to come back and bite June in the ass somehow. Like, I don't know what she can do, but it's, she's going to make it her life's goal to be a thorn in his heel just because she sucks. Right. Um, she's like, you cheated to get into a school once. Yeah. And then I killed the fucking kaiju that was destroying everything. You're welcome. Yeah. Like yeah. she, yeah, she's gross. I, I mean, <laughs> she's, she's just the worst. <laughs> she really is. You got to read what you said June should do with his princess and vulnerability here. Oh yeah. So she shows up and she's like shooting him dirty looks. So like they're meeting with like, uh, the government group that you pronounce their acronym OITER. Cause I can't remember what it stands for. Um, and the like next in line for ruling, uh, Leo mm-hmm. or governing it. And for some stupid reason, the student council is not that far down the pecking order. <laughs> and so she's there to represent them. And uh, she's shooting him dirty looks. I was just thinking he should have just pulled out a pistol and shot himself in the mouth and then <laughs> spat the bullet at her. It's so fucking awesome. But it just occurred to me that that would be uh, you could do that with still magic alone. Right. Oh, that's true. But uh, Princess of Vulnerability also works against Void. So then he could, what he could do is he could, you know, put his hand on the table and shoot a void pistol at it next, right? Mm hmm. Or point the void pistol at her and then put his hand in the way and fire. Oh, nice. That'd be awesome. That would be badass. Yeah, but just just something to, you know, like, look, you can shoot me all the dirty looks you want, but if I wanted to, I could walk over there and crush your hand or crush your skull between my hands, and the combined force of everyone in this room couldn't stop me. Mm hmm. The only reason you're alive is because I'm letting you be alive right now. Sounds like Bethel talk, Stephen. I know. I, if this is how Bethel feels all the time, if she if she sees everyone like I see Jif, I kind of get it. <laughs> I even threw out the idea of soul raping her. So, like, yeah, you know, I. <laughs> that said, I wouldn't actually do it. That separates me from from uh, Bethel. There we go. I, okay. I would flex my might at her, but I wouldn't actually hurt her, right? Yeah. Maybe I'd yell and use my magic enhanced yelling to. I don't know, but apparently it's common knowledge that he's a soul mage. So when I talked last episode about like, why isn't he just telling people, oh no, it's not soul magic. That's bad. No one should do that. No, no, this is spirit. Uther was the last practitioner, you know, Mm -hmm. but no, apparently he just told everyone he was doing soul magic. Well, I, it looks like soul magic. And one of those, like, if it looks like soul magic or quacks like soul magic, it's probably soul magic things. People aren't going to believe that he is like the last practitioner of an art that has been lost for 500 years that only Uther did. And now he's resurrected it. It's true, but he could have just told him that. Yeah. Like, I, you, you, I mean, you're right. Like no one would have believed him. And the second someone went to go verify, well, we can check if you're a soul mage. Uh, actually you can't because you'll die. If you look at my soul, um, that, that sure sounds fishy, but it does. Yeah. I at least would have tried to sell the thing, but maybe, I don't know what's actually worse for him politically right now to be branded as a soul mage or I guess known as one or to come out of the closet as the next Uther Pendrag. Well, he is a registered soul mage, so it's no longer illegal. And nobody knowing that he has spirit magic could actually be like an ace up his sleeve thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is a registered soul mage now. That's right. So he's. um. Oh, wait, what? I could have sworn I, I must have read this backwards and I read it because even in my quote here, the paperwork would, Finch assured me, be backdated as ironclad as he could make it with lots of strings pulled in the background. Yeah. Oh, so he's retroactively a registered soul mage. I completely yes. misread that. Something else I think couldn't be faked. Maybe it was like the fact that they 
went too high without permission or something. Um, but oh yeah, because everyone maybe, saw them do that. Yeah, maybe I just read this backwards. I I thought that like oh no, it was you know there wasn't enough time to set the paperwork in order. I guess I'm still illiterate. That's good. Um, <laughs> I've got room to grow. Yeah, um, you'll get okay. there someday. I withdraw my uh, my objection, June. You did great. You're a registered soul. Made you. You're allowed to do this stuff. I am glad you have withdrawn your objection because that means we are having an orderly discussion here, <laughs> as opposed to what they were having, which was sounded like a, a mess at least at first. Uh, which lead led me to this wonderful line: Emrealis had argued that we should follow Pendrag's rules of order, the first and last word in procedural conduct, but Sater had declined. And I just wanted to pull that out because if you've never been to a meeting run by Robert's Rules of Order, you have got to go and you're in for a treat. It is it is beautiful to watch and really delightful. And like, I mean, I know it sounds like really dumb to say that you should go to a uh, an HOA meeting or some other organization's procedural meeting just to watch a meeting or an afternoon fun activity, but it's a legit afternoon fun activity the first time if you haven't seen one before. So I've got to know what uh robert's rules of order are oh they're just a systematic way of having a meeting that is very precise uh once you learn it it's actually pretty intuitive and it just the whole thing as long as everyone follows the rules of order like proceeds like clockwork and you feel like you are in a a 17th century puritan town with town where the town council is trying to you know meet with the whole town and enact policies that everybody can live under and they're doing it this the proper way and it's just oh it's so cool to watch it feels like the whole world should be run like that okay so when i google this i get a book and if, then one of the things is like cheat sheet and it's page one of five um, I get, I get, so it seems reading reading about it is going to be boring as fuck it's like I don't know, reading about the mechanics of a jet engine as opposed to getting in a jet and having someone fly you around places. Like, it's really cool to see it in person if it's being done right. It just sounds like it'd be hard. Oh, okay, but I'm getting the gist of it. So, yeah, it is. uh, In fact, even this outline looks vaguely like the, um, uh, what do you call it? I should probably know this as president of the HOA. Um, Hmm. uh, The agenda? Yeah. you know, you do say these things, right? I move mm-hmm. for this, I second, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at this. Can you interpret the speaker? No. Um, do you need a second? Yes. Debatable? No. These are awesome. Okay, yeah. So, you know, maybe this would be like what would it be uh, like in court or something. Uh, not in the movies because everyone shouts objection over each other in, in movies, but like a real court. Um, I've, be, I've been in a real court. It was not this go- cool and good. Well, no, I think it probably wasn't fun it's never fun if you're in court um well i was on the jury so oh that sounds awesome i've always wanted to be on jury duty it's all right i know i've been told that that's a weird thing but i feel like it will i think it'll be like a lot of fun so Mm. even if it's super boring it's the backbone of our justice system which actually isn't the shittiest on the planet and i think it's it's really cool so exactly i I mean i it's not as good as having sex or whatever, as long as it's good sex. But uh, it's 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 it's. I would definitely recommend everyone do it at least once if they can. I'll try. I I've got some or whatever. Got the summons once, but then didn't get picked. So or I didn't even yeah. get to the point where they didn't pick me. My like number wasn't drawn or something. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, moving on. Emerit- Emeritor, the uh, ethics professor's dead. 
Yes, they found her dead in the office, bottled suicide. Uh, Amorose explains she had a hu- no. June explains she had a husband and two children, all of them crushed, souls unretrieved, and that just kind of stopped me because, like, I don't know how many people could go on living if their loved ones were in hell, like actual literal hell that everyone knew existed, and they could look into a infernoscope and see their loved ones there, and they're going to be there forever. Like, I don't, I really, it would take. It would take a very different kind of person, I think, to be able to go through their life. Like I would just be tempted with suicide every single day. Yeah, I don't know how you could possibly live with like just knowing that right now they're being tortured. Yeah. Um, I don't. It, so this is another example of my illiteracy. I could have sworn that it said that everyone was soul unretrieved, but no, her family was killed, so she bottled suicided. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't. I, for some reason, I read it as she was also unretrieved. Um, but I guess at least there's that one more person didn't go to hell. Um, yeah. yeah, Jesus. Uh, so that sucks. Yeah. Um, all right. The, uh, the, what was it? Seder. Um, which is funny because that's his species and his name, but there are no other, like no, there are no satyrs on air. It was just like a DM mm-hmm. joke. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so he's like, or I forget who's saying this, that like there's a corpse rotting in the middle of the city, smelling more every day. And he says, the Empire is attempting to pass legislation that will bring a group of star mages in to take care of it. That is beyond the scope of this meeting. Um, so first off, like, I just love how, look, we're having a meeting about trying to coordinate a meeting discussing whether or not we can pass legislation to come in and solve this problem. Um, <laughs> so, you know, don't worry. By the time the red tape is, is you know, we're, we're done jumping over it, this thing will be a skeleton. But yeah. also, what do star mages do? I know. Um... I don't think it'd be a spoiler to tell you, but it also doesn't really matter that much. So yeah, you can't tell me. Yeah, but. there there were there were hints earlier in the book. It's it's not it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I'll go back and skim them. That sounds like fun. I keep saying that I never have yet actually, but I can it's maybe go back and look at the word star. Yeah, it's a lot of pages to skim. Oh yeah, I would do a command F. I don't have the capacity to skim through this book. I do look forward to rereading it though. Yeah, um, cool. All right, so Amaryllis is. Uh, talking out of turn here and mm. mentions that the, the fact that this is an exclusion zone could be a boon. This is the only place on all of Arab where tattoo magic still works. There are relatively few tattoo mages that are still worth anything given the circumstances, but, and then Jif is like, as my understanding, you were in this meeting in an advisory capacity <laughs> and I hope she gets eaten by a mom bat or something. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, like, so if June soul modified her, mm-hmm. he, it, it would be giving Hitler a Gandhi pill, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure she's as bad as Hitler. Um, no, she's worse. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, at least Hitler like cared about Germany or something. Yeah. Um, that was a, another Rick and Morty joke. But, um, <laughs> no, the, uh, don't get me wrong. That's obviously the slippery slope that led to the second yes. empire. But, you know, she sucks. She's she's so she much does. worse than Dolores Umbridge, and mm-hmm. she was designed to be hated, mm-hmm. um, which is great writing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I hate this person. <laughs> she doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so anyway, Amaryllis mentions uh, another Athenaeum, and Sater's like, "Oh, well, speaking of steel and sweat, seems inadvisable." And she says, "Why? There are hundreds of thousands of tattoo mages who've lost their primary form of employment." And 
I don't get why everyone's being so dense about this. And then this is basically when Amaryllis and June just start having their own conversation while the rest of these morons sit there and, I don't know, shoot themselves in the foot over and over and put Jif in charge. But like, I figure if everyone else wants to bail on Leo because it's, you know, it sucks now and there's a bunch of crushed houses. Well, a lot of people want to move here now, too. Like, let's help coordinate this. Yeah. I, I, it, to it, me, it, it sounds like we've got a solution to one of the major problems, which is like this, the city is going to be abandoned. Isn't that one of the things they come to agreement on? Or was this just June and Amaryllis talking back and forth about it? I Well, this is her putting the idea out there and um, like basically being told, like, look, stand down. You're here in an advisory capacity. Um, mm-hmm. He says, be that as it may, it's imperial policy to allow governance of exclusion zones to fall under the purview of the original governmental authority, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, she looks around the table. But no one says anything sensible. So she just signs to June. She's like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's pointing out that Steel and Sweat is going to have a major stake in what happens to this area. And they aren't here to give their input on it. And Seder is saying, like, well, uh, they 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 have no right to. There's no reason for them to be here. And, like, I guess legally he is correct. And that is what he cares about. But Amaryllis, being a ruler, uh, realizes that the people that have stake in an area are going to end up being involved one way or another. And it's better to get them involved on the ground floor through correct um, procedure than to have them coming in later with an army or something if they need to. I just figure they can just move in, you know, unless Arab has closed borders. You know, they just start marching in by the tens of thousands and start moving into the empty houses. Leo is its own nation. It has closed borders if it wants closed borders. And oh, I guess so. The person who decides if they, if they want closed borders or not is probably going to be Jif. Yeah, so this this whole fucking city-state is just a... It's a wash. Well, we'll, we'll see. Maybe she'll get some good advisors or something. I don't see that happening. She, I don't think she'd take good... I mean, maybe she just hates June. Maybe other than that, she's fine. But I don't get that vibe. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. We will, yeah. I mean, she has that sister, twin sister even, that seemed really reasonable. Maybe she can be a good influence on her. But she's not at this meeting. She's uh, not. I don't know if she's on the student council, though. So maybe that's why. But June, for some reason, couldn't ask, like, hey, where's your cool sister? The one that doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> Bring the less shitty version of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. So June, uh, as he's talking, says that uh, looks like Anglican is going to get involved in their plot line, which is dumb because none of us care about Anglican. And he says, of course, I would have been paying attention to what my players found most interesting, engaging, and fun, which would have ruled Anglican out almost completely. And I forget what the word was that that Grack used for the groglier nostalgia for thing that doesn't exist. But like, I really wish that I June had been like my DM somewhere because it just sounds like the coolest DM ever to play with. It, it feels like where the candle is almost inspiration porn for would be DMs. I'm sure it's enhanced the uh, whatever performance of every DM who read the story. Um, you know, the couple exposures I had to the game um, were fun. I I was never part of like a months long campaign or long enough for something like this to go off the rails or come back on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I, I can see that being a really cool thing. That said, I don't know if what June is saying here actually lines up with what we've seen during like discussed in flashbacks. His friends seemed to think that he indulged himself a lot. They, yeah, 
Yeah, they did. So he was like, he, I, you know, I would have ruled it out, but it's like, no, nah, I don't think you would have. Like, yeah, I think he may I think be tooting his own horn a bit much here. Yeah, like, no, you would have been like, this is cool, damn it, and you guys are gonna look at it. I think, that, <laughs> right. I think that's exactly what's happening. You know how much time I spent on this quest line? You're going on this quest. And now that I think about it, that does seem like more evidence that the DM is June, doesn't it? Because the DM <laughs> is DMing like June. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, it does seem that way. Yeah. Oh man. I had such a built-up image of June in my mind based on what he said about himself, and you just had to tear that all down. That said, most of what I'm remembering is, like, conversations about stuff, and that could have been, like, planning sessions with Arthur or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, like he did abandon stuff, like, at the Infinite Library, I think, because, like, the politics thing wasn't as fun as he thought it would be for them. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he, maybe I'm being uncharitable to him. Yeah. Maybe he did it's, a bit of both. Maybe he was, like crappy early on but the more experience he got the better he got that checks out it's usually how things happen with skill progression yeah all right well uh moving on june says that he made a few changes in the spirit uh isolating the threads that made it uh really hard to to be around bethel things like his fear and sense of violation uh which were both in my opinion he says greater than they should logically have been uh, and I assume that you disapprove of this, uh, what I would call soul self-surgery, but I think you would call soul self-mutilation. I am glad that you don't quite get my position because it means okay. I'm so a little mysterious. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so first of all, it's spirit self-surgery. Uh, if I'm going to be pedantic, <laughs> but okay. that is One pendant that, for you. That's, that's, that's not the crux of my, my, <laughs> my agreement. No, I think, so he he's messing with his spirit to deal with the traumatic stress of being violated. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't disapprove of his doing what he needs to do to take care of it. I, di- I disapprove of the fact that he has to do something to take care of. Right. Um, or like that he, that he has, that something caused this problem. Right. Um, I mean, you disapproved of Amaryllis wanting to modify herself. Um, just the actual modification rather than just saying it sucks that she has these feelings. It's weird because like he's doing it to fix something that broke him, right? Yeah, yeah. She was doing it to like become less human. Yeah, she was like, doing it to fix she, something she didn't that like, was hurting she, her. She didn't like having feelings, right? Well, she um, didn't like having that particular painful feeling, especially because there's nothing she could do about it. Yeah. Like pain can be useful, but chronic pain sucks because you can't do anything about it, and it just makes life shit. So I guess what I saw, the, the analogy I thought of here with June was like, it's it's like he's going to therapy, but he did it all at once. Um, and I think the analogy actually kind of works if my understanding of how spirit works is close to accurate. Um, so but like, he, I, he, he got to where he would have been after three months of therapy. You know, like the thought patterns are still there. He's not like, it, so like, I w- you yeah. know, another way he could have solved this problem is if he had changed his soul, so he'd be the kind of person who enjoyed getting raped. Like, sure. So that I, I think you might have also you might have disagreed with, maybe, maybe um, I'd have to think about it more. But I mean, he sure he shortcutted getting three months of therapy, but didn't Amaryllis also shortcut whatever therapy or work she would need to have to do to get over her feelings that were hurting her? I mean, yeah, I guess the main the main difference is that he is he's coping with an injury slash trauma mm-hmm. and she's just like, eh, I don't like this thing about myself. Like, which when I put it that way, sounds indefensible. My position sounds indefensible. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, 
I don't know. I feel like she was turning off an important, an important part of the human experience. Um, okay. Now, granted, that's me making a judgment about what's important for people. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, there's a lot of people that say that suffering builds character. And I'm that, not saying that's. I she didn't. I, no, no, she, no, I just she. she oh yeah, that that's fine. I'm but, saying that there are people who would say that June shouldn't have done this because suffering builds character. And, oh sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose they say that, but they're actually wrong. Um, I, I agree, like, but I think they they're also wrong in the case of Amaryllis. But but they're they're like empirically wrong. Uh, there 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 is there is research on, uh, like trauma. Um, so why should Amaryllis have to suffer with her un, unwanted feelings? Because it wasn't like a trauma. It wasn't like a trauma induced injury. And I'm not saying she should have to. I'm just saying I was more wary of it. You know, okay. she she turned off her capacity for love because it was inconvenient. You know, he he turned down the amount of fear that he had uh, because it was ruining his life after being, uh, you know, traumatized. Right. Um, If he had, like I said, if his solution was, you know, I'm going to make myself the kind of person who enjoyed that because that sounds like an easier solution than talking with Bethel about it. Don't get me wrong. I I totally see a case for that being made. That's like, yeah, it's his fucking brain. Let him do what he wants. But I think that that might be inadvisable. I'm, I'm going to put that aside just for a minute because I said almost something like that uh, a couple hours ago. But you are saying it's like causing him a great deal of pain and trauma, which is why it is excusable right now. And like we know that because we can see his thoughts and his feelings since he's the narrator here. But no one else around him sees this. Like they're treating him like normal June. He's hiding it very well. You're assuming that um, Amaryllis wasn't really feeling much pain either in her situation. But she could have been hiding it just as well as June and feeling it just as much on the inside. And we don't know because she's even better at healing, fine, uh, hiding her emotions. And she uh, doesn't have the narration going. I, that's, I'm glad you, you pointed at that because I think that's an important uh, factor. But what I, was, what I was emphasizing was the cause of why they wanted to change themselves. Mm-hmm. So like Amaryllis wanted to change something that kind of arose probably organically unless it was inserted by the dm but like you know it it was uh and again it was a good thing i think that she turned off but you know i've moved my my position on that a bit and i'm mainly just like sticking in the that camp because it's more fun to argue from there but (laughs) um but but this is actually a, a different case for a different reason june is is trying to get back to his safe baseline because he was injured right so like he he's just trying to get back to normal. He's not saying, "Oh, my normal is bad." I, uh, it, you know, I, I. It turns out that that having feelings sucks. I'm going to turn that off. Like like I said, I think I think it's almost closer. Uh, I think what Amaryllis did was almost closer to June turning and turning himself into somebody who likes being raped than doing doing what June's doing here. Which is leaving, he's leaving the, th- the thought patterns there. He's just right. tuning them down so they're not dominating his life, right? Like, by analogy, I, I think this is similar to, as was pointed out in one of the sequences, people say that, like, a genius with 140 IQ, if he gets a brain injury and it drops him down to 120, it, it would be good and right to treat him so he can get back to 140 IQ. But if his sister, who's naturally 120 IQ, wanted to take a pill that would bring her up to 140, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 that's that's eugenics. That's a boot changing who you are. Like, we can't have that. Like, who who cares what the baseline was? If, if you can move yourself up and you want to, why not? You know, I I had 
the non-refined version of that argument because I forgot about that sequence, but I I had the the vague version of that in my mind. Mm. And I was kind of just hoping you wouldn't remember it. <laughs> I think of it because I knew that was kind of the knockdown. Nice, uh, okay. So hey, you yeah. gave it your best shot. Well, the, I think there is still some some fuzzy like and important distinction between um chopping out the parts of you that make you like that you find inconvenient. Yeah. And you know, having had you know, been in unrequited love as a 17 year old, I'm sure at some point yeah. in my life, I doubt it was as bad as being raped by my, you know, Voldemort house. Right. <laughs> right. So like their, their suffering wasn't comparable. Um, that said, suffering doesn't have to be comparable for, you know, you know, w- we could both be hungry and you could be starving to death and I could just have missed lunch. Right. So like, it doesn't have to be right. comparable for us to both have food if we want it. Um, yeah. it's just, uh, I guess, what do you, do to get that food resort to cannibalism right um you know. I, I do i do want to not dodge the point that you were making a few times because i did dodge it several times and i feel it'd be dishonest if i just left it there uh when you said that it's more like making himself into someone who enjoys being raped by by his house and i have to say you're not entirely wrong and also i near the very beginning of this conversation started off saying it's too bad that june isn't more like someone who doesn't mind being raped by his house because then he could have just given her a bro job and everything would be fine but he's not that person and you know that's that's just what we have to deal with because he's not that person and that's fine everyone's different um i don't know like retrospectively after it's been done to you changing yourself into that i think is like giving the power to the person who did this to you to change you and i instinctively rebel against that like having someone violate me and then giving them the power to change me fundamentally because of that is it's revulsive but if it like if before any of this had happened june was thinking was like you know i really got all these stupid sexual hang-ups from my midwestern upbringing and they they're right they really don't make sense i should change that out and change and he changed himself into someone who you know wouldn't have been traumatized by this at all i do actually kind of think that probably would have been better you know i think that uh two things one I think you mentioned that um, the idea of like being modified by someone else's imposition on you um, or being driven towards self-modification by someone else's imposition on you. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned that point like back when we first had this debate and I'm glad you brought it back up because that is an important distinction, right? Yeah. But two, you didn't say at the top of the discussion that like, if only he didn't mind being raped by his house, what you said was if only he didn't mind casual sex with his house. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there's there's a difference, you know. It it's not that uh w- you know, we want him or he wants to be the kind of person who enjoys being taken advantage of. It's that if only if you were the kind of person who was like, "Ah, you want to get off? Eh, I've got a free half hour. Let's do this." Right. Or let's I was going to say let's be real. I got a free 5 minutes, but he's probably some sort of sexual adonis. So, he um, put all those points in fizz, man. He's got blood magic, you know. Oh, uh, nice. Yep. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, I think that, so he, he puts this in a nice way and I think this is, and maybe it's just my weird sentimentality about being human, but mm-hmm. he got a lo- loyalty point from me in the next chapter when he says, I could go down into my spirit and tamp it out a bit more than I already had. But for a moment, I just wanted to experience it. So I'd know that, so I would know what it was that I would be editing away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's valuable. Yeah. You know, like he he could just chop it out and try not to think about it while he's doing it. And then, oh, great, it's gone. What was I even worried about? Right. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, nah, if I if I do that too willy nilly, I think he knows on some level that like 
if he were just to totally edit this problem away out of him, then the problem would die with him. Um, or rather, the problem would never be addressed because yeah. the only person who was impacted negatively by it wouldn't have been negatively impacted anymore. Yeah. And this does need to be corrected, right? Right. So I'm, I'm glad that he's leaving some remnant of, of this in him so that there can be a resolution for it. I um, agree. It, it was very humanizing and sympathetic. I, I liked that he did it too. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a cool, uh, happy medium between, you know, it seems like soul magic probably does leave some capacity for like tuning things down a little bit or something, mm-hmm. but with the spirit aspect of it, you know, it's like, if you're coping, I, I like the, I think I mentioned this before, but like Sam Harris had the thought experiment of like a pill that could cure grief. Yeah. And it's like, so, so your baby dies in the bathtub. Like, do you take the pill immediately? Mm-hmm. Like before even, you, you know, the ambulance gets there. Do you mm-hmm. wait a week? Do you wait a year? Like th- this, this will at some point be like a kind of question that we do have to ask ourselves when that sort of self modification becomes possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think June's not, answer is a good not, one. Maybe you do it slowly in stages. Exactly. He's like, well, I'm not going to, you know, eliminate my capacity for grief. I'm going to turn it down so I can still function. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's, that's a better approach. That is a great insight um, into one way we should handle our transhumanist future. Yeah. Well done, Alexander. Um, oh yeah. I, but you, you make a good point that, you know, if it's good to, for somebody who's IQ 140 to be <laughs> restored to having their IQ at 140, why is it bad to bring somebody who wasn't there up to that level? Yeah. Um, I don't have a good rebuttal to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's, let's move on here. So uh, Mrs. Larkspur or Hyacinth Prentice shows up and I love how, she and Amaryllis just have a Lucius Malfoy conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was I good. Remember... A lot of like, you know what I'm saying, but I'm not going to say it directly. So you have to read into it. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what uh, the, I can't remember the reasoning, but they asked Grack not to join. And mm-hmm. they also left out Palada and Raven. Um, Grack is like, oh, it's fine. I find myself not caring for Pendrags, mm-hmm. excluding present company. And Hey, he thinks Lucy sucks. High five. Um, <laughs> but given how she won me over a little bit last reading, I'm kind of curious why he thinks that. Um, and then Amaryllis also gets a high five, like in the next second. She, oh, cousin Hy- Hyacinth? Hyacinth? I don't know. I don't know. Cousin plant name. Yeah. Uh, and she gives a curtsy. I was so sorry to hear about your husband. I don't know if you knew this, but he and I were once quite close. And like... <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I bet Hyacinth knows that she was almost arranged married to Larkspur. Oh, that's why I think she went to uh, the Risen Lands for punishment, because she bailed on that arranged marriage. Um, or oh, something like that. I can't that remember. sounds familiar. Yeah. But uh, so it could be a reference to that, or it could be the fact that, yeah, he and I were once close while I was helping cut his head off. I'm so sorry to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they just, they had this conversation like this the entire time, kind of until the end when Amaryllis is like, look, just dispense with the games and just tell me what's up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Oh, yeah, I ahead. see your comment and we should totally talk about that. I think that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was just, I feel like I'm missing something. There's not just more illiteracy from me. So, uh, Hyacinth is making this, you know, oh, well people, you know, we could, they could learn about 
the transgressions you guys have done. And she keeps dancing around it. And Amaryllis is just like, look, if you have an accusation, make it. If you had evidence, you'd, you'd have already presented it, but you don't. So fuck off. And June was like, June thinks she was convincing. I believed her and I knew that she was lying. And I, I'm wondering, how the hell was she lying? They didn't summon Momrath. Like, you know, sure. Momrath arrived there because they arrived there because the DM, but that's not their fault. Well, what she said before that is, uh, you just so happened to be in Leo at the time. You happen to have all the tools at your disposal to kill a beast, the like of which has never been seen on Arab. And what, what these are all just true things they, that happens to be the case. They, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but like the, it's not that they just so happened to be at Leo when the beast arrived. The beast arrived literally because June was in Leo. And they didn't just so happen to have the tools at hand to dispose of it. The beast, they had the tools at hand because the beast was going to arrive and the DM knew they were going to have to take care of it. Like, it's literally their fault that the beast arrived where it did and at the power level that it did. And uh, when she says we had nothing to do with any of it, that's, in my opinion, directly wrong. They, they're, they're suffering the Uther curse where wherever you go, disaster and tragedy and death follows and all your loved ones will be hurt just by the fact that they're your loved ones. It's weird. I'm the one with a bizarrely overhyped sense of heroic responsibility. But even I think that if, if God himself is fucking with you, it's not your fault, right? I like, mean, I wouldn't say it's your fault, but Hyacinth is implying that these things happened because you're here. And that's not a coincidence. And sure. And that's, that's technically true. true, but not for the reasons <laughs> yeah. that Hyacinth says it is, or is implying. No, s- certainly not for the reasons she's implying, but but Amaryllis knows that that she is technically correct, so she's lying. Well, we had nothing to do with it. I mean, only from a certain point of view that I think it's unfair to judge them by. Do they have anything to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I'm glad I'm glad to clarify it. I, I I see where he's coming from, but I don't give him any. I don't blame him at all for being the victim of DM fuckery, right? Yeah, it depends on which way you squint. Yeah, and I. I Again, I, I have a pretty strong sense of, of responsibility, and I think that he does too. But you, you, you just can't you can't function if you're going to blame yourself for God smiting your friends, right? <laughs> like, if, if Job wasn't such an asshole, he would have felt bad that his family was killed, right? I, um, maybe. But I mean, he didn't like, know that was why. But That's true. But, like, say if he did. And it kept I – I, the Job thing actually doesn't work because there's too many no. yeah. uh, bad parallels there. But, like, I don't know. If June can't take a piss without whatever, some building crashing under the side of the city, like just because the DM thinks it's funny, like that's not his fault, right? It, I mean, it's not his fault. No, maybe he can set up a, a alert system that whenever he has to take a piss, everyone knows to leave all tall buildings because he teleports like to the safety of, you know, some faraway place and has to camp out for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, who knows? Hmm. So, right, yeah, so, I, so yeah, there, there was I, like, all right, well, there's no, you can't prove we were above the whatever. High said this like, well, I'm going to tell the dragons. Yeah. Like, well, you can't prove we were ever that high. We were going too fast. Fuck you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, everybody in the city saw you going that high. There were thousands of people that were direct eyewitnesses. And you keep telling everybody about how cool you are that you did it. And you're like, oh, my, I, not you, I, I was like, oh, my God, this fucking bitch right here. They rescued the city and maybe saved the world. And it's not just that, like, you know, you managed to do that, but we're still going to blame you for stuff. It was the literal rescue act 
that she is going to use as her legal maneuver to stick the dragons on him. Like, I, at this point, really wanted to do all the GIF things you wanted to do to GIF. <laughs> this is some gigantic BS. I I agree. Um, I don't know how unreasonable the dragons are. Mm-hmm. I've got to think that if they're sophisticated enough to make treaties with, like, you know, flight permits and paperwork or whatever, mm-hmm. that they have to realize, like, look, Momrath is violating the treaty by being that tall in the first place. <laughs> right? Yeah, they were just helping out. Yeah, we just got here before you did. You guys are welcome. Mm. tell you what we won't even charge you for it you know yeah and if the dragons want to be dicks about it then they'll just have to kill enough of the dragons to bring them to heal i mean that's always an option exterminate it, all your enemies <laughs> it, well not all of them just enough to get the rest to back down but oh, right, like, right, right. The, the thing is and i realize that only sounds a little less dark lordy but um i i've got to think that the dragons have to be able be reasonable enough to make that this an exception right like I, maybe what Hyacinth is threatening is like, look, you violated the Sky Treaty or whatever, and mm-hmm. so that's a crime under Anglican law. You know, Dragon's judgment aside, you broke the rules, and so I, like we can we can bring it to court for that. She's also probably going to go tattle to the dragons and hope that they get pissed. And I have no idea if they will or not, but maybe it's also a crime independent of whether or not you offend the dragons. Right. I think it depends a lot on how the dragons are written because there's a lot of stories where dragons are real sticklers for bullshit things like, oh, you said, you know, the word's wrong, so now I own your soul. Ha ha. Um, I-, I do agree that if they're smart enough to write treaties, they can probably figure out, you know, this was an exception. We can backdate some authorization or whatever. But on the other hand, maybe they want to fuck with June for some reason. Maybe Hyacinth, like, has gotten a dragon on her side. Like, or this could just be Hyacinth being like, look, I'm threatening you with these dragons. You know how dragons can be sometimes. You might get one of the angry ones on uh, one of their bad days. Like, how about we cut this deal instead? Like, it's a lot of political shit going on when you have a goddamn threat of possible dragon attack on your side. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I uh, I can't help but wonder, are they scarier than Momrath? And I suspect No. Like, sure, Momrath could... Oh, no, Momrath could totally shoot fire. He shot, like, that fucking balefire void beam at them, right? And blew himself to pieces. I mean, uh, Momrath was also big and dumb. Uh, and yeah. dragons, it sounds like, are smart enough to sign treaties. So being smarter makes you a much higher level threat, usually. Yeah, but I think, like, Momrath's big thing was that he was giant and, and indestructible. Dragons are presumably, I'm going to say, roughly dragon-sized. And... Yeah. uh like comprehensively big, right? Like I can see the thing. Yeah. And so Bethel can fly at the speed of sound and gets three freebies in a, in a, in a fight. Um, yeah. And I th- I'm sure she's been thinking about aerial combat since she had that thing with Momrath. I think that they would have no trouble killing a dragon. That said, I'm sure it'll be some sort of wrinkle where maybe they won't be in Bethel when it strikes or something, but um, it, it can't be that hard given that they took down something else. I mean, Maybe, maybe they don't have a lot of shooting power, you know? They have some. Maybe dragons have a lot of magic. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, we can't rule out that they've got some magic fuckery on their side. Yeah, species-specific mm-hmm. magic is a thing, huh? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, with, like, the three, you know, freebies and, uh, you know, the the void bomb arrows from the artillery bow, like, a, if that's not going to work on Momrath, it'll definitely work on a dragon. You know, they delete a few dragons and the rest will stop trying to fight them. <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know sometimes it just pisses off the rest maybe they're dumber than dementors um (laughs) 
like Amaryllis is, well, very well. I don't think there's anything else we need to discuss, but I'm sure we'll talk more in the coming days. And then says to the group chat, you fucking cunt bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And Bethel and Hersey eye to eye. She says, you have to only say the word and she'll die a horrible death. Yes. Look at that. Bethel and Amaryllis standing side by side. If it means that she gets to kill a Pendrag. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, here's one that actually deserves to be hated, right? It does, definitely looks that way. You know, I don't know if she was cool before they murdered her husband. <laughs> um, and and they and she knows that they did it. And they know that she knows. And they have to pretend that they don't. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she was nice before that. Maybe she actually likes Larkspur. So, like, I totally get where she's coming from. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I can't believe she had tattled to the dragons. She <laughs> folded her arms and looked like she was planning to murder someone. <laughs> And Bethel's like, you know what we should do? We should have Juniper soul fuck her. <laughs> Did and, you say that too? Oh, no, you said it about Jeff, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, I, and I said that as a joke, but I don't know if Bethel's joking. Oh, I don't um, think she is. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's that's more Voldemort than I'd have guessed, even coming from her. <laughs> uh, it, it makes me a little less confident that she'll have that nice coming to Jesus moment when she and June talk. <laughs> I I hope that they do. And that, you know, this is just a bad joke. It just but, it seems weird that like you would put you would put this beyond Bethel when she is I mean a literal murder torture haunted house thing for hundreds of years and maybe she's reformed a little bit now but uh not enough to not rape people so I I don't know man I I this this didn't strike me as unbethel uncharacteristically evil for Bethel I think if Bethel thinks that what was done to her was wrong you know being modified against her will she has oh. to understand that doing that to other people is wrong, right? If there's like yeah, one just... easy distillation of morality, it's like don't do stuff that you judge other people for doing. I mean, I think she really just doesn't care. At least that's that's the feeling I've gotten since reading the previous chapter. Well, when she when she has her morality slash humanistic level up, she will realize like, oh, that was pretty fucked up of me. How yeah. could I have existed with such a gigantic double standard? You know, how, how did I not fall to pieces? <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's, let's hope so. I hope so. Um, I had a quick one here where, so, so like changing gears a little bit, Solace wants to talk about the locust, and mm-hmm. um, June says, well, I'd love to help, but there's nothing we can do, but I'll hang out with the locust more. And um, June thinks it was just that it was just that it was very easy to say that you would do anything when you didn't actually have to do a single thing because there's nothing to be done. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, ain't that a sad truth? Because, like, this is like a thing that you think, but you don't acknowledge. But when someone says, like, gives you some terrible news about what's going on, oh my God, I wish I could do something. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I, I wish I could do anything at all. But, like, you know, there's literally nothing you can do. So mm-hmm. you can just make those noises. Yeah. Now, you are expressing, you know, sympathy and, and support and all that by doing it. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I. It's weird. Like right now I have uh, someone in my book club who is, uh, has pancreatic cancer. And that was, that was a real bummer. And I was really angry when I found out, but you know, you, you do say those things. You say, let us know if there's anything we can do. And I know he's not going to ask for anything unless it's like really a dire emergency. He, he has a lot of resources and he doesn't want to impose. He's a really like kind guy, but you know, you think about that. I'm like, I mean, Technically, I could do the thing that church people do, where they just show up at your house with a casserole, and you're just like, "Here's one dinner you don't have to cook now." And maybe they'll like come inside and like help clean the place for a half hour because 
you're not feeling well and you can't do it and they're taking some of that stress off you and like I don't I, I don't actually know where he lives. We're not that close friends. So so it feels weird to say I got that angry at him. Or not at him, but at the cancer. I really do think he's a cool guy. I don't know. But the thing is, like, you you do say that a lot, and I feel guilty for not actually going and doing those things. But there's there's just so much in life to do as well. I don't know. I'm kinda kinda fucked up about that a little bit right now. No, I I shouldn't have been so flippant about it. I mean the other thing here with June's situation is that he says, oh, it's it's easy to say you would do anything when there's nothing you can do. Yeah, but, and in his case, there really isn't anything he can do. Well, there's not literally nothing, right? I mean, he can spend nonstop days and days with, with the Locust. He can, I don't think he's checked the Locust's spirit yet. He could try and analyze that. You know, he could do he another could... sacrifice to level up whatever skills he thinks might work. Like, he could try to move heaven and earth to help yeah. this thing, right? He could put um, iniquities on it. He's got a lot of resources. He could like yeah. all throw in to try to find any lead at all if he really wanted to. Um, how's your friend's prognosis? Um, I don't know. They haven't. They haven't really said. Um, he he had one stage, uh, one round, two rounds of chemo, and then they were going to take a look to see if they could operate, and we're going to operate if that was the case. But they said no, this has not reduced enough. You need to go through five more rounds, um, and each round is two weeks. So I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out. Well, I'm pulling for him. Um, yeah, that sucks. You know, it, it does. And like you said, if you guys aren't that close, if you don't know where he lives, that does rule out like a lot of like the hey, look, I just ordered you Uber Eats for dinner. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, fuck it. I'll throw down 50 bucks with you for like, uh, you can just email him a coupon for, I can't, or I never use the food delivery services, but it's either Uber eats or the other one. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's not like he's financially strapped or anything. It's just, that's true. it's, it's more of an emotional support kind of like, Hey, I'm here for you kind of yeah. thing. That's, yeah. That's, that's tough. Uh, would would it be a dick move to say let's just push past that and we'll talk about it later? Not at all. It's it was completely unrelated, and I don't know what sparked it. I'm, I yeah. well, we, it it sparked it because it came up because it was on your mind, and I appreciate you sharing it. Um, yeah. But since it's heavy, let's uh, um, in the in the wise words of Santa Clarita Diet, let's stop talking about our fucking feelings and do this fucking thing. <clears throat> That's right. Let's talk about someone else's feelings. That That's person right. being June, because he's uh, he's thinking about Solus and the le- the ne- the Locus, and he's saying like that she is really devoting her entire life and everything just to even the gl- faintest glimmer of hope that she can rescue the Locus. And he says, "I wanted to say that it was clearly insane to devote yourself to one person so much, especially when there were other things at stake. And it was only then that I saw a parallel between how I'd been in the wake of Arthur's death." And how Solus was acting about the locus. At which point I simply said, aha! Because also mm-hmm. that 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 made final sense to me. I was like, oh yeah, that absolutely is probably the thing that this is that locus and uh, the Solus and the locus is about. Maybe. I it's interesting. I I wonder if it's just him being it sounds like quitter talk to me. And I think of that I think that same thing later, but like the main difference here is that the locust isn't dead and it, and it's death would mean the end of an entire magical discipline slash way of living. Right. Mm-hmm. Where Arthur was a friend and it was tragic and, and major for June, but it wasn't like a loss on a planetary scale. Um, yeah, but this is wrong. every death is, you know, yeah. it's, but 
in in the in the more literal sense, this is the the locust's death is a bigger deal. Yeah, but um, fiction is always supposed to make things you know big and about huge deals because that's how it feels to to be in that, and the fiction has to you know expand it and highlight it and hyperbolize it to get the feelings across on the page as much as as you feel it in person and also because it's fantasy and that's the whole point you make yeah make the personal worldwide yeah shit you're right that does up my estimate that the locust might be doomed (laughs) (laughs) um see i I was thinking like look it'd be a it'd be a dick move and i think just bad storytelling from a dm perspective to give a quest that couldn't be completed Mm. but if it is like to teach a lesson in, in the way that you helped kind of articulate. Cause June does think, well, maybe it's to teach me a lesson or something, but like, no, nah, if it, if it is just kind of like, yeah, look, this is what it's like to obsess over one person's, you know, potential lo- the loss of whatever. Um, but obviously written larger because this is a story, you know, then that is the kind of quest the DM would set up. Right. Yeah. If and this is a, if this is a therapy adventure, right. Sometimes Fuck. the lesson you need to learn is that there's quests you can't complete. Ah, oh, man, but that goes against everything I believe in about games. <laughs> um, this might be you know, a different kind of game. It's it's true. And there are some games that make you make hard choices. I um, just picked up Disco Elysium recently at, at, on the advice of many people, and I'm glad that they kept advising me to do so. You play a really bad addict, uh, a detective, who's got severe addiction problems and like one of the very first quests you get was go get some smokes and a drink. And, and I believe I have not completed this quest and I don't think I'm ever going to complete the quest. I think you're not supposed to complete this quest. Well, that's not save your kid's life, right? Um, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of quests that like you can't finish in some games. I mean, you know, like a lot of them are like decision based ones, but, and those aren't even like hard decisions. Uh, yeah. And I digress on them, but that'd take me too far afield. But yeah, I guess we'll see where we go with this. I don't want... The thing is, is that hope is not lost yet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what perk he gets with level 20 loyalty from Bethel. I don't know okay. if that'll help him help the Locust, but it could be something as absurd as, you know, she gets to rewrite all the rules for space located within her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that's the case, then she gets to let the Locust out. Um, maybe level 12, 20 lo- loyalty with the locust, uh, lets it turn into a hot young maiden who can talk and help <laughs> him solve its problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so un- until all hope is lost, I'm not giving up on this. Right. Yeah. He does say that he couldn't just tell, uh, solace to take off her rose tinted glasses. It wouldn't actually help anything. I-, I thought that was kind of uncharitable of him because yeah, obviously saying that wouldn't help anything. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but but there's ways to help her take off the glasses over time that would help a lot. And, you know, the problem is that it's a lot of work. And I don't blame June for not wanting to do all that work or not having the time and energy and desire for it right now when he's trying to save the world. But it just felt a bit unfair of me to blow it off as, well, I can't help her because I can't say four words that that'll change everything. Like, Yeah, that's not enough. Yeah. That's that. I do think it would be a Herculean task to help her take those rose-tinted glasses off. Like this has been her dedicated task for hundreds of years. Oh yeah, I think this is something that would take a you know either a family member or a significant other many months, possibly year plus of of real effort. I mean, even if it only took like one percent of the time that it took that you know she's invested into it, mm-hmm. it would still take three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If she's been, I don't know. If she's been working on it for all four hundred years of her life, but she's working on it for many hundreds of years of her life, right? Yeah. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah it might be impossible. Um, well, right, I have... Wrapping up this chapter, yeah. Yeah, at the very end of the chapter, I think my overall comment here is, uh, this is you know, the politics chapter, with uh, with Prentice here, Hyacinth or however her name is, and like possible dragon threats to, to their starting nation, and the talk of Amaryllis deserting the host and having a trial in absentia for that. I think we are getting set up uh, for a lot of challenges that are going to be political challenges. There's, there's going to be more politics, I think, despite the name of this chapter. And uh, that that is, you know, big problems without good solutions that you can't just punch into submission. And I'm really looking forward to that. I, I, I think I said this earlier about the uh, problem with Bethel, too. But that's that issue. June's trauma from that is another one of those problems that they're complicated. They're big. You can't punch them in submission. And I mean, it's it's becoming a a different kind of book from from what we started with in the low level chapters. And I am here for this change. This is interesting new territory. Yeah, it definitely. I, I, on the one hand, I like the punch the problem stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that they have more problems to punch, but kind of just as like, you know, yeah, seasoning on yeah on on the otherwise excellent course. Um, but yeah, it like just remember him fighting the zombies in like the first few chapters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like how trivial would that be now? Right. Right. Like he just killed Godzilla, so it's like okay. Do we want to throw a bigger Godzilla at him? Or like, do we want to give him like actual problems? Mm. And so um, it, it seems like it's going to be the, the actual problem route. I'm glad that you articulated it that way. Um, it's, it'll be an interesting uh, um, evolution. Cause you're right. Like how do we, how do we stop Amen? We got to be clever and punch him hard enough. Like it, but these, these problems don't have such clear victory conditions, right? Yeah. Um, what does it look like when we fix this? Well, it's not going to be a clear win, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there was a, oh yeah. The other fun thing about it too, is that, you know, like he was saying, oh, I would have let the Anglican thing go away because, uh, the team didn't seem interested in that. That said, it's not like they're not interested in Anglican. It's just that it's been in the background. And I actually really like that. It's circling back. Um, it's mentioning, Hey, remember that whole plane you were thrown out of? Like, I know it's been a while, but that happened for a reason. And mm-hmm. we're going to learn what those reasons were. We're going to see, um, you know, like they talk about briefly, like the stuff, like Amaryllis's entads or whatever. Mm-hmm. I never got the impression that she had anything that cool. And if she does, like, who cares? She's got cooler shit now and like quests to get more cool shit. So like the stuff I'm not really concerned with, but the, the empire, you know, what's going on with, again, the politics stuff. That that has been in the background this entire time so far in the background that, you know, you couldn't even see it in the rearview mirror for a while. But now it's back and that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah. like the T-1000 running after them, getting closer in the rearview mirror. Isn't he great as uh, Peacekeeper's dad? What? He's Peacekeeper's dad? Oh, yeah. You didn't recognize Robert Patrick? How the hell would I recognize him? He looks completely different. It's been 30 something. It's been 35 years since he was T-1000. <laughs> the only way I would recognize him is if someone put his name on his shirt while he was on screen. Rachel asked me, this is like the one time where I recognized somebody. I'm like, I'm bad at faces. And especially like watching a movie, I'll be like, is that the same person? She's like, no, they're two entirely different people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like with Laszlo, actually, that happened on. Uh, um, and this what is actually really funny because I wasn't being like tongue in cheek with it. And what we do in the shadows, there's a thing where he slept to the witch because she put on a black wig and a dress and looked kind of like his wife. 
And I, I asked, and I was like, is that her just doing a different accent? And Rich was like, no. And I'm like, to be oh. fair, she did kind of look like her a little bit. She did. She did look like her a bit, but apparently yeah. if you can tell people apart, not, not enough to be, to be a, you know, an actual misunderstanding. But I, I was, I could have, could have fooled me anyway. Um, I was like, Hey, do you recognize that guy? And she's like, is that, uh, what's the guy's name? Angelina Jolie's dad, uh, John Voight. Mm. And I'm like, no, that's John Voigt from 20 years ago, but that's what the T-1000 looks like 35 years aged up. And she's like, Damn. oh, neat. So, wow. all right. Yeah. Terminator stuff. Brownie in motion. Let's go. Right. Okay. They, they go they, back to their island. They motion back to their island off screen. Yeah. Um, man, the great segue. Um, <laughs> so they, they hired a water mage that finally showed up to make the weather less shitty. June's got a ring that lets him postpone sleep for 100 days. Fun thing is he gets to he has to pass the debt off to someone else, mm-hmm. and I think that'd be a fun way to dispatch an enemy for a hundred days at least. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, that gives you a lot of time to think of another solution, right? Yeah. Um, and he, with this, this is uh, the first half is uh, another dope Zen chapter of the Locust. I always enjoy those. Yeah, <laughs> he has this like he tries to do that, and that scientist's name Albert Einstein <laughs> joking, <laughs> and the doe didn't think it was funny. Um, but I, I laughed June. Um, so he tells the doe that he and Bethel had sex, his words. He doesn't say she raped me. Um, hopefully the doe doesn't reveal a not yet revealed ability to talk and a propensity towards juicy gossip. Um, I'd be very undo like, I mean, would it, I think the doe's whole thing is unpredictable. Uh, Okay. Apparently it's fur changes texture all the time. Like, It sure it couldn't talk before, but now it could. Just because it couldn't talk before, you thought that it couldn't talk. Pfft, that's so close-minded of you, you know. Right. That's what you get for being such a close-minded fool. Um. So he he's saying like it sucks. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. All I want is phenomenal cosmic powers with no downsides and all my dreams to come true. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> uh, and he laughed. Uh, but it was hollow, and I had to remind myself that it was okay here because Bethel wasn't watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, that was like, you know, I went from like, ha, that's great. High five. We all want that dude to like, well, dang, that really sucked the wind out of my sails. Like mm-hmm. she fucked him up. Yeah. And, you know, again, the only, the only thing that again, doesn't quote, make it okay. Um, but makes me not hate her yet is that she hasn't like defended her, dis- her decision and actions. Right. Yeah, it, it when he talks to her about it, if she doesn't again, she might have an initial defense moment or something. Mm-hmm. But if she sticks to her guns and says, no, fuck you, I'm, you know, whatever, like I didn't mm-hmm. I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Then she sucks forever. And she's and I'm fine with whatever they have to do to her. But I'm hoping that when she learns, she's like, holy shit, I had no idea. I thought I was reading you right. You know. I actually yeah. looked and I couldn't find it. So I, I skimmed them a few months ago because I mentioned like Louis C.K. had a really funny consensual non-consent bit and I couldn't find it, but it's perfect. And it would have landed great for this. Like he talks about, he was like with some girl and, you know, he like went to go put his hand up her shirt or something. Like they were like teenagers mm-hmm. and she kind of put his hands down, but like she was still super into making out and stuff. And so a few minutes later and he goes to kind of do it again and she kind of, you know, does the same thing. And so he backs off. And then like the next day she's like, well, you know, why didn't you go for it? He's like, what do you mean go for it? You, you kept 
pushing me back. And she's like, yeah, but I've got this fantasy of like just being overpowered and, you know, someone just, just seizing it and going for it. And he's like, oh, what are you out of your fucking mind? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to rape you on the off chance that you're into that shit. Like, yeah. so this, um, you tell someone first, if that's it, your kink. Exactly. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, that might take some of the, the oomph out of your, your kink or something, but there's no way around it. Right. Exactly. Um, so I guess when I bring that up because it's not impossible that Bethel thought that June was just like, I, I guess she wouldn't so much have, I can't give her enough credit to like model the, like maybe she understands kinks or something. If I'm not going to give her enough credit to model that no means no, but you know, it, it brought that joke to mind anyway. Um, Got it. Yeah. yeah. That was too much of a digression. Uh, it's a good joke. The dough reminds him that there's still beauty and, uh, you know, light in the world. Yeah. They're still, they're still good in this world, Mr. Frodo. And it's worth fighting for. Ah, the dough can't talk, but it, it can deliver messages. Totally. Yeah. He, he talks about to the dough, his, uh, thing he had with Tiff once where they were, uh, making out and Tiff says stop. And like, he jumps back and disengages completely right away with this paralyzing fear that he's did something bad. Uh, and he hadn't been reading her right. Something had this expression of love had gotten deeply and horribly twisted somehow. And um, I think he did basically the right thing. Like when someone says stop, you stop and you back away. Um, I just, it, they, he talks about how they both said, ah, ha, ha, this is something we'll laugh about later. And they never did because it was just so uncomfortable uh, and, and, you know, weird, awkward. I'm not sure exactly what the term would be, but I, I pulled this out because you know, he's he's completely internalized the social message that male sexuality is harmful and damaging, and um, and I think that's. Did it, I, I was gonna say oh. no. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I just I was just thinking like I was gonna say that's not wrong, but I, that that is wrong. Like he's completely oh. internalized that his sexuality is a terrible thing that is harmful to whoever he does it with, except for possibly in certain safe encapsulations that he has to be careful not to break. And I think it's very good to be extra careful when you're having sex and to, you know, have that extra degree of caution. So I think he did the right thing here, but also that, you know, it, what, what am I trying to say that? Like it would have been nice if he, if he, I'm sorry, go ahead. It it, would have been more healthy if he could have like taken his hand off and backed away a little bit and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. What, uh, what did I do? Would you like me to do something a little different? Like not immediately go to, Oh God, I have destroyed everything with my evil male lust and been like, Oh, something's, something's going wrong here. Let's back up and address the situation. And if she wants to stop, then we stop completely instead of like, you know, right. It'd be like, Oh my God, I just turned into the Joker. Fuck. This is, this is the worst thing forever. It's interesting. I don't know if I'm failing to read correctly between the lines, if you're reading too much between the lines that like, this is a like commentary on June's mental model of like male sexuality, or if it's just his attitude towards sex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause I, I do feel like if, if someone says stop and you're like, Oh, I think that's a more or less completely appropriate response. You know, you kind of, Oh, you know, and as he says, disengaged completely. Um, and you know, Hey, how, you know, what's going on? Everything. Okay. Like I, I would interpret a stop just like I'd interpret an, you know, an ow, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd feel just like June described. I think what, what's different though, like what would be nice is 
you know, we don't get the tone of what her stop sounded like. Might have been kind of panicked. Laptops are expensive, but he went straight probably to like, okay, mood is killed. I feel dirty. This was scary, etc. Instead of just like, oh, hey, you okay? What's what's up? Right? Yeah, yeah. And that would that would have been nice. And I think that you can hit, you can totally hit that level of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're newly fumbling teenagers. You know, yeah. Um, they they have a good excuse for it. Yeah, but I I don't I didn't read so much that he's thinking like all these negative things about male sexuality in particular, and more just like sex hangups in general. Um, but maybe I mean, it is I'm male focused because getting- he's male focused. I'm I'm not getting all of it just from this. It's just from everything he's said and how he's related to sex and his intimate partners throughout the entire book has been has led me to believe this that he has these particular hangups which are actually I think really common in middle America and I I think they're bad but I don't blame him for having them. Like I said they're pretty darn common. It's what our society pushes us to. It's tough. There's like so many ways to do like what attitudes should society have towards sex. There's so many ways to do it wrong. Yeah. Um, And that the way that we have it now is not optimal, but it's far from like the worst it's been in the last 50 years. Right. Um, Like even like, like the, the the free love thing of the sixties, you know, was maybe closer to what, you know, people kind of would like, but that was also used, I think like as a push for like, well, you know, it's just like it's pleasure, like any other pleasure, you know, and if you don't like yeah. it, you know, it's a lot like not liking, uh, you know, having to go to soccer practice, you know, yeah. but, but I make you do that. So I'm going to make you do this. Like it, so it, it, there, there, there's, I've heard it was yeah badly abused too. In, in yeah. Places. Yep. So it's weird. It's, it's not an easy problem to like make perfect, but I think anything that makes someone feel terrible, you know, when they, didn't do anything wrong Mm -hmm. um, means that something is, is suboptimal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Like depending on how she delivered the stop, it would be basically like, ow, which shouldn't give you necessarily a instant paralyzing fear that something had gone deeply and horribly twisted. It's, I, I, I kind of say that also because like, I have heard of situations where people um, often in king scenes, and I think this happens more to people new into them. Uh, you, you know, you're supposed to have safe words and things for for certain role play, but sometimes people are hesitant to say their safe word even when they're uncomfortable with something because they're if they're new in this, they're like the safe word goes down, everything stops immediately. You know, the the evening is ruined, and it, it's nice to have like an intermediate safe word where you can be like, "Hey, slow down a little bit. I'm uncomfortable. Check in with me," uh, and some people don't have that or don't know about it and instead, you know, push on through things that they probably shouldn't push on through because they didn't want to just bring everything to a screeching halt. And this felt to me, June, like doing that immediately because she was worried about her laptop is it's, it's not a great emotional place to be in when, when you're with a loved one that always on the edge of this could suddenly turn into that sort of horrible thing. That's a good point. And like, I think that's, that's a good way to articulate it. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be at risk of like, this this nice intimate moment, intimate moment with a loved one can suddenly turn dark and twisted, you know, yes. with on accident, right? Um, it seems to me like the uh, the idea of having a um, uh, you know pump the brakes or I guess slow the car down, but you know don't pull over. Uh, I feel like having those two different safe words actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I 
fortunately I'm super boring. So like, I've never had to think about that, but yeah, there should definitely be like a, okay, hold on. You're going a little too fast. I didn't say stop. I'm just saying, you know, let's not go over a hundred miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, lots of times people can just use the regular words like, Hey, slow down a bit. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a, a safe word. If you can just say, uh, cool it for, for a little while. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I, Maybe one day I'll learn why safe words need to be a thing. But I feel like if I'm saying no, please stop, I shouldn't need to like remember that my safe word is cabbage. Um, Well, because in certain um, scenarios, no, please stop is part of the fun. Yeah. And I guess maybe that just is uh, indicative of how, you know, uh, (laughs) vanilla my my indulgences are. So uh, vanilla is a wonderful flavor and I will not have you besmirch it. No, it's it's yeah, it's it's solid. all right. Did we talk about? Uh, oh yeah, we oh, kind of talked. Yeah, about Yeah, I the, think we did. Yeah, yeah, we can skip that. So I, beach party time. Yeah, beach party. Um, so it's supposed to be a relaxing and fun day for everyone, but there's this metaphorical thundercloud hanging over, ruining the whole vibe. Ooh, um, damn, that was well put, dude. That was very poetic. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, did in your minds, didn't it? Did the scene look dark? It did. Yes. Maybe it was I actually think, described as dark. Now that I think about it, I can't remember. He, he did say that it was a black sand beach and that it, they weren't like, they were kind of large sand granules, not what he would call sand. But, and, and he did say, like, he was talking a lot about how, like, this always island is always so dark and gloomy and everything. And we do hear that, like, except this one time. This is a nice beach, sunny day. You know, this is great. But, like, there is still, I guess we were primed to think of all the dark, gloomy stuff. And then just the way his emotions are dark and gloomy, it really does feel very. It felt gloomy to me, too. Yeah, it did not feel like a beach party. Which no. is a drag, because this could have been a really fun time. Yeah. Um, and this is just, in you know, emphasizes that we need to get this, you know, we need to get to the bottom of this situation and solve it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy the next beach party. Um, mm-hmm. But it also your life, and it's important to get these giant problems solved. Um, the... Uh, they, every time they mention Valencia's armor, they give it like its full name. And I can't remember if it's like a reference that they explained or they didn't explain. But I think you just said it was a lazy fucking name. The red armor of Arab Moore or something. But yeah. Anyway, she's wearing a red bikini, which I like how she's leaning into the whole red thorny princess thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Grack is in swim trunks and I'm picturing Hawaiian swim trunks because it makes oh, me smile. I like and- your picturing. Isn't it adorable? Yeah. He's, he's out there splashing in the water in little red swim trunks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Amaryllis, of course, looks like a goddess. Yeah. Um, he's thinking, because like, they had to you know bring all this stuff in from Earth, probably, because everyone's just cool with nudity on Arab. So like swimsuits mm-hmm. probably aren't that common. Mm-hmm. I maintain that swimsuits serve other purposes, like keeping your nipples from getting sunburnt and keeping sand out of your crevices. But they might have spells for that. What do I know? Do they keep your nipples from getting burnt? Uh, I don't go outside, so I, I don't know. But, <laughs> but you make a compelling point. But also, but in but to to be fair and not merely sexist, uh, my pectoral tissue is less sensitive. Okay, that's true. So and and you they do keep your the sand out of the crevices. Yeah. So sort they, of. they they probably okay, wear actually, something at the beach. That's a total lie. I, I I'm thinking back to the beach that I was beaches uh, that I was on, on in Hawaii just the, over the past few weeks. Well, yeah, you're the fucking expert at beaches now. 
I, I am not the fucking expert at all, but uh, I certainly sat down on the beaches and played in them for a while. And what the swimsuits did was keep the sand pressed up against your crevice <laughs> after you stood up. So uh, maybe maybe murder without them. Yeah, that's valid. Uh, yeah, I I mean I I'm not I haven't exactly measured, but I think we're about as far from a proper beach as we can be while still being on Earth. <laughs> there so, might be some places like in in the middle of the sahara yeah or like the middle of russia or something but yeah um we're, we're pretty far yes uh, we are but yeah you got man i hope you took a bunch of pictures we'll have to look at those sometime um, i did take a bunch i gotta go through them and you know pull out the good ones hell yeah uh i like this a lot so he's he's amaryllis like well you know are you having a good time and uh he looks over because i'm like well it, it I, I was thinking, before I can answer that, I have to know what you're wearing, because he described what everyone else is wearing. So he looks at her, and it says, My breath caught in my throat. She was utterly perfect from head to toe, with an with unmatched grace and power, muscular and feminine, flawless skin, full lips. Um, and then he goes on to think about, like, the thing is, is more or less used to her. Hmm. But, like, that's the weird thing. You know, you can sit in a room with, like, a smell and not notice after half an hour. But... Uh, or you get that thing where words lose all meaning if they if you say them enough. Yeah. Um, anyway, I go on about this because he's talking about it with the purely physical perfection. But if you tweak the description just a little bit of that thing that I quoted and the following paragraph, it sounds a lot like mm-hmm. being in love with somebody. Aww. Like I haven't been everybody, so I don't know what it's like for most people. But like it's kind of like a background thing of like, yep, this is just you know my day. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of get these moments where you're feeling like the six eyed doe and you like actually look at it. You know, yeah. you see what you're looking at. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Dude, you're right. So that anyway. is awesome. But unfortunately, we mm-hmm. can't, he can't enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God, he... the, the like the very next thing is like the thoughts about that come crashing into the thing about the Bethel stuff. And like it basically gives him a panic attack. Yeah. And he's even he, got the mosey threading thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he can feel the panic attack no matter what else he's trying to distract himself with. Yay. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And he, I mean, th- this was another one of those parts where I thought, okay, you're I'm just reading your comment now. Okay, so he, he ends it with, I felt that he's looking at these beautiful women in their swimsuits. And he says, I felt like a predator and a hypocrite, unworthy, dirty, unloyal. And my comment was, again, the whole our social customs suck that they make him feel like that because, you know, I, I think they do. But then I think your comment is also a um, a very true thing. So go ahead. and. Well, I, I think I don't quite understand. Uh, I, I think you've given the long version. I wrote this as a response. So I said, I'm curious how much of your reaction to his predicament seems to place the blame on him slash his upbringing and not Bethel. Yeah. Um, like, I don't Maybe. think he's feeling shitty and dirty here because of his modest Midwestern upbringing. I think it's because all things sexual are tainted by his trauma right now. But in defense of your take on it, or at least what I read your take to be, he felt this way before he was traumatized. Um, He he felt like a creep watching Emeralist sleep for a second while she was fully clothed, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this like really brought it to the fore and turbocharged it. And like, you know, I I hear often rape victims feel like, you know, dirty and, uh, and, worthless maybe unloyal there's a lot of terrible emotions that go with it but it's rarely do they feel like a predator like that is generally a pretty uniquely um male thing that's pushed on men but i think you're right this is this is not just you know he had a shitty upbringing this is 
a reaction to what was done to him by Bethel. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been trying to, I don't think I was trying to minimize it, but it felt like I was waving that away and I shouldn't have. Bethel is like the real bad thing here that made all this happen. Well, at the risk of just sounding like I'm playing devil's advocate, but I'm not, I, uh, I, th- I think you make a really good point that like the, so I think I think we're, we're we can just say we're we're both right because I I really think that you you know again the feeling like a predator thing and a hypocrite dirty unloyal like the dirty thing that that makes sense of like the the trauma but unworthy unloyal maybe a little bit but predator and hypocrite like no man you you were taken advantage of those are from his previous hangups right yeah the the Bethel trauma just amplified his already existing baggage yeah uh, and added new baggage um, yeah. which is totally valid. Um, but you're right. Like this, this was uh, like this stuff was all there before. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's. Uh, I was just skimming the rest of the chapter. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I think it. I think it's clearly both. Um, I chuckled because uh, he was like, "Okay, sorry, just trying to regain composure." And she's like, "I can change to something more modest." And he's like, "No, I'm just awestruck." And she's like, "Well, tugging a strand of her strand of hair behind her ear in a way that was heart stoppingly attractive." Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I have, I have activities planned, but, um, like I, I, I like it because you take away the whole, you know, the vibe is ruined thing. You forget, if you forget that the vibe is ruined, that's, this is like funny and lighthearted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I can change if you want. It's like, no, it's fine. It's okay. Okay. And she like, just, you know, moves hair out of her face in a way that is like heart stoppingly attractive. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's fine. Oh, I completely was just you know, drooling again. Sorry. Don't, don't slip. Right. Like, um, it, it would be, I wish it could be fun and cute and it damned will be soon. I hope so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we tried to bring it back around, but the chapter does end on a bit of a bummer. So hard not to end there. Yeah. Uh, but we should, uh, go into what we're going to read next then. Yes. Okay. We are doing the next three chapters and I know it's only three, the, the, I looked at going to the fourth one, but the fourth one is really freaking long, and I think we'll probably have enough to talk about. It might be a slightly shorter episode next week, but this was a longer episode, so it all evens out. Yeah, y'all lucked out. I was, you know, we we're we're running late, so um, it, it, you know, it, I think they'll average out. I think we're probably going to close in at like an average of two hours and forty five minutes an episode, which I feel like is a long time. This isn't the Joe Rogan experience, you know. <laughs> God, I don't know how he does it. Me Did either, they actually. Breaks in the middle. Did the I was just thinking that because they they put them on YouTube, right? Yeah, like but you can't just sit and chat for four hours straight without like at least getting up a little to stretch, maybe have a drink, use the bathroom. Yeah, seriously. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've been working through a bottle of water here because my mouth gets dry when I talk so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Four hours would be anyway. We could sit. And, we could hit four hours if we want to analyze that, but let's uh, <laughs> instead. Let's, <laughs> Let's tell the people that our next three chapters will be 167, Beached, 168, Hollow, and 169, The No Sleep Club. Hmm. I mean, Beached, if they're still at the beach, that title is on the nose and I love it. Hmm. Hollow, I sure hope isn't like sad feelings and that stuff, but it could be. The No Sleep Club. Bethel doesn't sleep and neither does Raven. So maybe... He hangs out with Raven at night because they've got nothing to do. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. It's, that's actually a pretty darn good guess. It, it, honestly, it sounds like a good use. They, they don't hang out at all. 
I get, you know, it's weird for them, but uh, I think partly it's because they haven't had the time, right? Yeah. But now they've got six to eight hours a day to sit and be like, all right, let's talk about Uther. Let's speculate. Let's learn about each other, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's that. All right. And something we forgot to do, which I will do right now, is say that this is a podcast where we analyze with the candle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Alexander Wales. Uh, you can toss him money at his Patreon, which we link in our show notes. You can also toss us money at our Patreon, which we would greatly appreciate. Um, and write and review us. Tell people that you know that have read Worth or Candle that this thing exists because maybe they'll enjoy it as much as you have been enjoying it, too. Yeah, we uh, we did 20 minutes of chatting at the beginning that we forgot to transition into proper openings. So if you didn't know the name of the show, now you do. Yes. Um, like you know, I said. That he said all the stuff out that needed needed saying, so I'll just say uh, thanks to Alexander Wales. Uh, this this game is emotionally taxing at times, but that's half the fun. That yeah. is the, that was that was most of the fun of playing The Last of Us too. So, right, bonus episode uh, eventually. Oh, that'd be cool. All right. Well, yeah. So thank you for play, making this game so we could play it. Exactly. And uh, thanks and goodbye, everybody.